welcome to the GCW Plant Podcast, episode 11. With us again, Mr. John J. Wolf, and today we are covering Back to the Bay. How are you doing tonight, John? You know, I'm really happy to be here, ready to roll again for another good episode. Yes, this was uh, the second of the back-to-back shows that they did in uh, California. We just covered... um, no Signal on the Hills Part 2, and now we're doing Back to the Bay, as it is their second time back in the Bay Area, and once again is at the Midway in San Francisco, California. And the match, first match of the evening was Cole Radrick going against Midas Creed, representing LA Fights. And John, what was your opinion on this match? You know, one of the things I definitely wanted to mention beforehand was the huge, I mean, it was hard to really not see they had the huge glowing gcw and then they had these huge blue banners that ran beside them they were so awesome to see i hope we see those all over the place i could see how those uh those would look really good in replays online i mean if someone wants to post a you know something that happened if they're getting that replay off the hard camera it's going to look beautiful with that huge ass gcw right there so i'm really hoping that stays around yeah, I like that you said like the blue banners. Like I that that stuck out to me right away when they first first shot of the night was the the blue uh, banners on each side of the ring, and I was like, wow, that looks cool. And that kind of goes along with what they did in LA with the purple and gold. I don't know how the blue color fits into the San Francisco setting and everything, but I just their color schematics that they used uh, that weekend was awesome. Like I said, LA with the purple and gold Lakers, and now this light blue uh, GCW signs banners. I loved it. It was awesome. Yeah, that skylight, too, I thought was cool. So it kind of threw off the exposure on the camera. You know, if anybody was watching that, they could see where, you know, at some one of the center of that ring was actually dark. But when you could see the camera shots from the side of the ring, those guys were absolutely lit up. I don't know if that was the skylight possibly throwing it off or maybe just, you know, an exposure issue from the hard camera. But same thing. I really thought it was cool to see the skylights in that place. Uh, It gives it a warehouse kind of feel. If you ever see movies with warehouses, so sometimes you'll see light cracking through somewhere if it's an old warehouse. I kind of like that feel. Yes, I I love I love like you like how you just said the feel of it. Like it wasn't overly crowded it wasn't like people standing up they had lots of seats everywhere i Mm -hmm. like the venue and i hopefully once again they probably will go back to that same venue next time they go back to san francisco but i thought that was a good way to start off the show and like the contrasting black and blue and then blue and black uh lettering and all the banners i loved it all yeah so this was really interesting too because this first match was uh midas's home territory So this was a situation where right off the bat, when Cole came out, he was getting booed and Cole, he really, um, he embraced the whole heel experience. So he was really mocking the crowd. I thought that was kind of cool. Midas had a acai moonsault on the outside on Cole. It blew him into the second row of chairs. And that was one that I really wanted to mention. Uh, There was no real huge spots minus the one I did mention. There were very few, uh, very few high spots. This is one of those ones where they took uh, a newer guy and sent him out with a guy who's popular and they let him do their thing. In a traditional sense, I think this is more of the opening match. It's a non-GCW style opening match, nonetheless, but it is a GCW style. Normally it's a fast pace, you know, scramble. 
And in this scenario, they really opened up with a guy who's not really seen, uh, not really been seen that much on a GCW television up against Cole, who is a favorite, who is coming out there and playing the absolute opposite role of what he normally is, uh, is playing. Yeah, that was kind of surprising, Cole getting the boost just because he's been on such a roll lately. And I know the fans have been loving everything he's been doing, just like how we have. We've been talking about him nonstop and how on a how much on a roll he is lately. So uh, him getting booed was very surprising, especially against Midas Creed, because as you said, Midas Creed, we haven't seen on GCW too much. I think I've maybe seen him on a scramble a couple times mm-hmm. when they've done the LA shows. But I think that was kind of cool. They kind of did that this whole weekend where they let they were giving some more GCW time to the LA fights people, as we saw the night before where they had uh, Hunter Freeman going against Rob shit in that death match. I think it was a, <laughs> I think it was just an awesome like weekend for them to showcase like, Hey, we are doing stuff in LA fights, even though you might not be checking us out as much as you can on YouTube for free, by mm-hmm. the way. Uh, so if anybody wants to go back and catch, catch up on some GCW action, you can do it for free on YouTube. And I highly, de- highly suggest it because Midas Creed being one of these uh, up and coming stars from the, the Bay area. I know like I've seen him a couple times too out here in Vegas and he's, he is on his way up. He's still very young. Just like a lot of these yeah, wrestlers. Yeah. On he's LA young. Lights. And- yeah. His body shows that he's young and you can see it. Um, but overall he was, he was well liked. He was well received. The, the kid didn't have many, if any at all, screw ups whatsoever. You know, something you'd see sometimes out of a younger guy in this one, there was really no real dominant wrestler overall. But everything that Midas was doing had a lot of reaction from the crowd. So yeah. I really did think it was a good match opener. It was quick. It was running about eight minutes long. I think I cut you off a little bit there, man. What else did you no. have to say? I'm so sorry. Okay. No, you're good. Um, I was just going to, all, all I was going to say is like, I just like seeing these LA fights when they're in the LA area or the West Coast, like how they do with, um, jcw is what uh, sometimes on the out in atlantic city they'll throw the jcw guys on and give them a bigger spotlight and we've been always kind of talking about the young talent in gcw jcw and la fights it's awesome seeing them not they don't overtake the shows but Mm -hmm. like hey we could give you well one spotlight match here one spotlight match there and like i just think that i love seeing it and i hope they continue to do so and their track record's proven that they kind of are going to keep on doing that and giving some uh more of a bigger platform to these younger talents and yeah cole radrick like i said like too that was like i just called back to the chance like it was i was surprised even i'm like whoa cole's getting booed like for midas creed like out of all out of all the people yeah. not like it's like a bigger name not no knock on midas creed he's still like young and stuff but like i was shocked to see him kind of become the crowd favorite going against cole radrick but midas definitely stepped up to the challenge here especially to open up the night as you said it was a nice like kind of let's make it a nice easy venture into the rest of the mm-hmm. card because we don't want to go out there and go crazy like how you said normally they start off with the scrambles and they just start off hot i thought this was a good way to introduce my discreet to a bigger audience and have cole oh, yeah. still uh get the victory here as he did and um give that little eight minutes was a big showcase for uh talent like my discreet yeah, you know, something you mentioned earlier there was about the fact that they're bringing over, you know, a couple of West Coast, you know, talents and whatnot. And we spoke about that earlier, how they're blurring the lines a little bit between uh, those two companies so that you can see a little bleed out on, you know, one side and then a little bleed out then into the other side. So it was really cool that in the end, 
you know, Cole was just playing a part. The fans are obviously smart fans. So Cole still got cheers in the end. You know, Cole goes out, extends his hand, and then Midas kind of gives him a weird little reaction to it. And that was uh, that was that for that first match. Was there anything else you can kind of think of in that one? Well, I just thought about it uh, right before the match started, of course. MLJ is the ring announcer, and he's also uh, the person ringing the bell all night long. And they made mention yeah. to him right away. He's <laughs> like, oh, I guess I got to pull double duty again. Like, I'm not good at this ringing the bell stuff, but somebody's got to do it. And at the end of the match, when... uh. The referee counted three. You could tell like they kind of forgot and like MLJ yeah. quickly bent uh-huh. down and like hit it one time. Not the like the ding, 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 like matches over. It was just ding, matches over. And you hear just KG start laughing on commentary. I thought that was <laughs> fun to see. They might get fun of themselves. Like, hey, just like how everyone should. Like they can't, they make fun of their little mistakes. As we, we always seem every podcast to be talking about. And once again, they forgot to hit, start, ring the bell to start the match. And luckily this time, Tony Deppin wasn't out there to cuss out MLJ. For the second match of the evening, we have Gringo Loco going one-on-one against Commander. And I was excited for this match, seeing uh, Commander in another one-on-one setting with another really good uh, ring general in Gringo Loco. Last time it was against Tony Deppin, which was more kind of like the ground style and technical style. This one with Gringo Loco, this would kind of fit better, in my opinion. Commander fit better with Gringo as Commander is a high-flying luchador and... Ringo Loco is the base god, especially for uh, luchadors. So I was looking forward to this match. What did you think of this match tonight, John? You know, so before this match even started, there were Lucha Libre chants coming from the crowd. So right off the bat, they were expecting great things. In my notes, it even says expecting great things. (laughs) So uh, it it just started real quick. Lots of quick exchanges. There was a point where Commander was just jumping onto or off of the top ropes, which is, you know, classic Commander at this point. Uh, Gringo at some point went down and said, no more flippy shit, which is somewhat Gringo also. Yes. So <laughs> uh, he out Gringo Gringo. I don't know a better way to put it. Um, but there were also three pendulums in the last five shows. And it's really funny. We mentioned that we talk about it almost every show, but here comes more pendulums. Yeah, I think they might be listening to us now here. We're starting to get a little bit bigger viewership numbers here. And it's kind of funny is as soon as you said that pendulum, we've seen three of them now in the next five shows, if not probably more. I know Dark Sheets at least done one. Gringo's done at least two or three times since since you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that Gringo kind of was trying to play heel. I think that's why he's like, no more flippy shit. He had to play the heel here as Commander being the high flyer that he is. It's going to be kind of hard to root against the high flyers. They always put on exciting matches and stuff. And of course, Commander did his running the top rope. And then he did a launch that he would. I'd never seen anyone go in that air off of the ropes. Like that was crazy oh. how high he got. Yeah. And then when he hit, he landed on Gringo and did a Hurricane Rana. And I swear he was like two inches off the ground, his head, when he was going down on that Hurricane Rana with his legs about to flip over Gringo. It looked like Commander was going to hit his head on the ground. And I was kind of like worried, but he barely survived it and uh, played it off real nice. And as your note said, everyone went nuts and like I popped too. I was like, I was like, oh my God, he's like, oh God, he hit his head. Oh no, he survived. Yay. So. That was like Dude, the best part of the match of the night for me. Yeah, every everyone went nuts. I just I I had to just 
I wrote it down. I had to because it was such a, a pop from the crowd. Then there we went again with those Lucha chants. It just kept going over and over and over. Uh, Commander was mostly in control of this match. I was really surprised by that, but it was it was really well done. He got that incredible height. I'm really uh, I'm really hoping to see more of that. I think that's something that down the road the GCW fans can hang their hat on. Hopefully that Commander's one of ours. Yeah, I never seen him. I never seen almost any wrestler. Maybe like Ricochet, I've seen get that high when he's going to the outside, but it wasn't in a Hurricane yeah. Rana. It was like mostly for like a flying elbow or maybe like a moonsault onto people outside. Commander got hot. Like I said, I was shocked he got that high. And I remember going on Twitter that night and seeing it. And like that was the gift of the night was how high he got, and everyone just shocked seeing how, like how far he jumped as well. And uh, like him almost barely hitting the or just missing the ground like that was an incredible spot and perfect spot for commander and as you said like he got a lot of offense in i think that was gringo's way of kind of like hey i'm here for you let's showcase you here and all your talents and mm -hmm. get you over here and show the world what you can do with a more lucha style wrestling up other than what he did against Tony Deppin, which is still a, that was a good match too. And we got to see a different side of commander. I like seeing commander in his kind of like more comfortable setting in a lucha style match. And this was a good lucha match. It didn't go too long, but I think it was perfect. They hit all the spots and, Commander is something else, man. I, like you said, I want to see more Commander. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. Not just for the one spot where he runs the rope. Like, now we've kind of seen it. Now I'm like, okay, what can he do other than that? And he showcased he's got some really good technical and smooth uh, technical moves that he did with Tony Deppin. He didn't, he, uh, as you said, he hit the ropes like where he's on the inside and outside. He does like, oh, yeah. He's balancing on it. Then he, like straddles the rope and hits the middle rope bounces back up to the top and then flips off and does the arm drag. Like he's so mm -hmm. creative on the ropes. It's like, uh, I think it was, was it Lindsay Dorado was the king of the ropes or whatever. Like one of those wrestlers during the yeah. uh, 205 classic, I know they said the king of the ropes. Uh, I think they got a new king in commander on the ropes. Yeah. I couldn't imagine commander coming out and someone being disappointed. I mean, he's one of those ones now to where he's, he's on his way to solidifying. Uh, himself over there i really do hope that he continues to come over he got a lot of recognition and praise from the fans between these two guys it was absolutely amazing when it comes to just delivering entertainment you know we're talking a little less than 13 minutes and they packed it so tight with all the wrestling Yes. One person that comes to mind who I kind of want to see Commander go up against next, uh, especially as we're going into homecoming weekend this week, as we're still playing catch up and we will be caught up absolutely before hey. next Saturday. Um, I want to see him go against Ninja Mac. I'd like to see what those two minds can oh, do. Oh, like, I never thought of that. That might set the I never record of Ninja. for the least amount of time as Two competitors spent four feet onto the canvas. That might be the least amount of time in the history of wrestling that those two, if they wrestled against each other, they'd be in spend most of the time in the match in the year. Oh yeah, I was gonna say just count the percentage of high rope offense. Oh, for sure. It's gonna be off the rope. It's gonna be off the chain. Or off the rope. Yeah, you might have been on on a better <laughs> way there with Commander off the rope. Yeah, we don't need to do the chains. Not over there at AIW. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no one's really liking those chains. But yeah, who who won this one? Gringo, uh, Gringo, right? Yep, Gringo Loco won with the Super Base Bomb. I got that wrong the last couple times. I think I've been calling it the Gringo Bomb, but I did hear KG say Super Base Bomb, and I was like, oh, I messed up. 
And yep, Gringo Loco hit the finisher, hit Commander with the victory. But Gringo, yes, he went over. He is the victory. But as we said before in some of these matches, just because Commander lost does not mean that we don't want to see him again. I know the fans want to see more of what Commander can offer in the GCW ring. Next match of the night for the third match, we have a GCW tag team title match as Team Bussy went up against The Caution which is Sheik and Anton Voorhees. And I was a little skeptical going into this match. I kind of seen how it was, if it would be more comedy or whatnot. Or whatnot. Uh-huh. It did have quite a bit of comedy, but I think how they weaved it into how the match format kind of was, I thought it was like mm-hmm. perfect. It wasn't just comedy. They got to show off uh, how good they all four competitors are in the ring, and they still captured the... And my 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 audience, they captured our uh, attention because I watched it with a couple people as well, and we we enjoyed this match. I uh, what did you think about this match, John? So I think it's fair to say that it really was a wrestling match first, which I wanted to just make sure because of course there was going to be comedy in there. We had a lot of people in there who were going to have something. They they mix well together, but uh, the first three to four minutes. Anton was handpicked by Dark Sheik, and we can see why. It started to get a little funny. We had Anton and Effie starting to compare asses, so we had the Battle of the Cakes. That was you know. the line of the night for me in commentary. Oh, man. Yeah, and then KG's explaining where Bussy can be had. It could be in the park, it could be outside, <laughs> it could be on the bus. And he says, like always, Bussy is always gluten-free. KG. Yes, oh, I, love, I love the spot when they did the cakes because they're like, all right, we're going to bump we're gonna bump butts here. And then Effie decided to go get extra momentum off of the rope and went to hit, uh, try to hit Anton with the butt bump or the cake yeah. bump and missed. And then Anton kind of took over. But I like how quickly they did like a couple spots real fast. And then right within like the next minute or two, uh, Effie ended up finally connecting with the the cake bump there. So I, I like how they kind of brought it back where he failed, but still kept on trying to hit the maneuver during that match. I love kind of seeing the struggle of trying to hit one of either their signature moves or the finisher. I love seeing the struggle and how it plays into the match. Kind of like how we were talking uh, about the night prior when Titus Alexander went against Alex Zane, where Alex Zane was going for that uh, crunch wrap Supreme or the taco driver, taco driver. I'm sorry. And he couldn't, Titus kept on squirming out of it, and then finally Alex Zane hit it. I think it tells like a great story in the match, just based off of one move of trying to connect with it. Well, same thing here, what I was saying before, where it went back and forth between the entertainment and the wrestling. So we then go into the double team kissing, which yes. I thought was hilarious. She had, uh, you know, Effie over there just doing his thing. And then, anyway, uh, we had uh, back to the wrestling. We had a double sack rider that went down. We have Anton slamming Effie through the door. Then you have Ali slamming Sheik through a door. We had Effie hitting the blockbuster on Dark Sheik. That should have been onto the door, but here we go again Those with the door not doors. breaking. Oh, man. But uh, yeah, it wasn't all you know giggles and gimmicks. There was a lot of wrestling in here. I think everyone really did uh, you know pull their weight. There wasn't a single person that was out of it for too long. And I really think that each person, if if this was a four man match, you know everybody did their job, earned their paycheck. There wasn't a single person going back there without the same amount of scratches that anybody else did. 
Yeah, and going back to that kissing spot, that was hilarious. Like how Effie yeah. and Anton are just kind of watching, like, what is going on here? They're enjoying it too much, and they tried breaking them up. And then, like, you see Sheik and uh, Ali, like, no, 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 we're not done yet. And they go back at it, and they kind of sit there and, like, wrangle their own partners off and fight with their own tag partners to continue on with the match. I thought that was a very creative uh, spot Great during spot. that match. Uh, Team Bussy does end up with the victory and they retain the GCW Tag Team titles. Going on to match four of the night, we have the Sauce God, Alex Zane, going one-on-one -on -one with Tony Deppin. And I know in past episodes, we've kind of talked about the history between the two. And mm -hmm. I believe, like I said, I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I remember when Alex Zane first debuted. I know 100% it was at a backyard wrestling show. And it was against Tony Deppin, but I'm pretty yep. sure they made made a comment like Tony was training with Alex Zane, or they trained backyard wrestling together at some point. I know those two have some sort of history. I just can't remember right off the top of my head how that history goes. But I remember watching just off to the side a couple of weeks ago. I was watching a Alex Zane Tony Deppin match where they were the, uh, a tag team, and I think they went against. Um, no, it wasn't the Briscoes. Well, anyway, I think maybe SGC or something. They, like as a tag uh -huh. team, I love seeing them as a tag team. I even tweeted, I was like, "Give me more Alex Zane and Tony Deppin." And like a two days after that tweet, or maybe like the next day, they announced them going against each other, and I was like, "I could live with that." So I was, I was looking forward to this matches. I I'm a giant Alex Zane fan and the lovable asshole Tony Depp, and I love seeing him just kind of control the crowd and put on the great matches that he does. Uh, what were your thoughts on this match, John? Well, I thought that right off the bat, there were a lot of quick exchanges and combos. Both are solid wrestlers. So here we go again, where it's a real treat. And off, uh, right now, I mean, it's steel sharpened steel, but we're also looking at the fact that, um, you know, Zane still is going to end up possibly being a rarity. And Deppin has a family, so he's either working more or working less. And right now it looks like he's working more. I actually look forward to Tony's entrance. I don't give a damn if yep. he's good or bad. I'm still going to sing his shit every time he comes out. I, Unless he changes that song, which would be a really crazy heel move. Yeah, going off of his song, I remember going leading into Hammerstein. Uh, as soon as I bought tickets for me and the family to go to Hammerstein and I remember Tony Deppin sent out a tweet. It's like, you guys, you motherfuckers better sing. We built this city at the top of your lungs in New York city. Yes. And I, I, you could ask my wife, you could ask my son. Like I was listening to that song nonstop going into Hammerstein. Like I would just be like walking around the house. We built this city. <laughs> like I, I love uh -huh. singing his song too. Like in, I, I, Tony Deppin and that song is two peas in a pot. I think. Oh, man. And same thing with AJ Gray. I actually spent yes. a long time memorizing his song so that when it was time for him to pop out, I was ready. Yep. And then we didn't see him in Vegas. Unfortunately, I was like, damn, I did all that work <laughs> for nothing. But um, yeah, the same thing with Deppin just being a total heel. He was using com uh, Commander's. Uh, yeah, wasn't it Commander's hand? No, it was uh, Zane's hand to act like he was jerking off. But he did it to was Commander first the night prior. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and I really thought that was interesting. Zane was showing that he had some knee issues that was affecting the match. I really hope that was just storyline related. Do you know anything? I do not know, I, um, okay. but I really, either way, real injury or not, I really love how KG, and I believe it was... I think Lars Fredrickson was uh, the guest commentator during this match. And I love how KG kept on making comments of 
Alexander went for the inside out uh, moonsault that he usually did. Well, actually, this one was outside in because he, he was doing it trying on the inside. But mm -hmm. it looked like he only got like one leg on the second rope. So he wasn't able to get the full rotation on the flip to go back inside the ring to hit Tony Deppin. So he kind of yeah. just ate it. And he, you see him just kind of lying on the ground like, oh, my God, I ate it. But I oh. loved how it wasn't one of those moments where, you know, the fans chant, you fucked up, you fucked up. I love how, and KG does this all the time, he worded it, and it was a great callback to earlier in the match. Tony Deppin was working on his leg a little bit earlier in the match, and how this could have been a slip-up, or it yep. could have been, uh, hey, his knee really did give out, and that's why he messed up. I love the explanation, and it kept it more real instead of, oh, he was supposed to hit that spot, he messed up, and let's just keep on going. KG explains in a wrestling style of like the damage that has occurred previously in the match how it mm -hmm. affects the competitors later in the match and i just i love that part during that during that whole match i loved how we kept on bringing up alex's a knee alex's a knee even after it hurt so it makes us at home we're like oh he fucked that up where no like his knee was getting worked on earlier and even though tony deppin didn't work on it a lot they made it more like I keep saying realistic instead of just saying like, Oh, competitor messed right. up. Like there's a reason he messed up. He didn't just mess up cause he messed up. He messed up cause Tony Deppin caused it. So I love how he gave Tony Deppin the credit for Alexane messing up mm -hmm. and not just mm -hmm. saying, Oh, Alexane messed up. I thought that was awesome. Part of uh, KG's commentary. And he always does that. Yeah. I really wonder if it's going to be an unwritten rule at some point, if it hasn't already been where, you know, you work the guy's legs, you know, a little bit on both sides and maybe even an arm or two here and there. So in case there is a slip up seven minutes, eight minutes down the road, you know, you know what? His, his, mean, his knee must have popped out from that legwork he got in the first part of that match. You know, I just wonder if that's one of those things that, that maybe is already being done. But old school, they'd work a leg and work a leg. You know, you wouldn't be doing that for a botch. Yeah. But I would just say for, for storyline purposes, it's not that hard to hit left, right, you know feet or yeah. i mean uh, legs left right and then if something happens they can just be like oh my knee gave out anybody who's a grown adult has had a knee give out on accident oh yeah so. we're doing a lot less <laughs> stuff than competing in a match yeah 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 you know i've done a hell of a lot less than carry a 200 pound man over my head you know and and try to not have a knee give out so yeah, I think neither men were really dominant through this whole thing. It was very obvious that they're friends and they work together a whole hell of a lot. There was a whole bunch of the Baja Blast chants. The crowd was, I mean, really, this was a nice little party atmosphere kind of match. They really wanted to have a good time here. And it showed, you know, KG saying Alex Zane made the decision to have the Baja Blast and Taco Bell. He made that call. You know, Zane squirts Baja Blast in the eyes instead of Visine. So, you know, Zane enjoys different tacos every night. <laughs> he keeps kind of putting that little thing in there, and it's really kind of enjoyable to hear. Uh, in the end of it, though, both men hug. And I just wanted to mention that because even though, again, Deppin's doing that heel thing, it's really nice in the end to show that, you know, these guys really are true friends who did come up together. And I think, don't quote me, it may have been Mercer, was the third guy, and I think they did start uh, at least training together, if not backyard together. I think that was mentioned over commentary at the backyard four. Don't quote me again. There's going to be a fan that will probably oh, count yeah. me wrong. I watched this late at night. It wouldn't be a surprise sometimes if I get it wrong, but uh, yeah, overall, I was really happy with the match. I thought it was really fun. I'm happy they were given 16 minutes was just a touch over a standard GCW match. Not, not unhappy.
Yeah, and I love we don't see this side of Tony often because obviously he's the asshole to everybody. But you could tell whenever he's in the ring with or against Alex Zane, he makes sure Alex Zane kind of is the one that kind of goes over whether he wins or loses. He makes sure that Alex Zane looks good. And like you said, mm -hmm. I think that goes back to the friendship and the respect of hey, like we we've been through the worst, the lowest of our times. We were we did it together. Now we're doing mm -hmm. it and experiencing it together at the highest of our times and ever since alex zane i've said this before ever since he went to new japan i thought when he first came back to gcw he was kind of just continued on where he was when he left and mm -hmm. we didn't really get to see the growth of his character or the evolution of him and even in the ring and i think that trip to new japan kind of reignited his creativity i love his kind of like most interesting man in the world character that he's kind of got going on right now i just, yeah, I just yeah. love everything he's done since he's been back in from new japan yeah he's really um he's really polished up everything about himself i mean he he's got he's got a total package there and i think japan's noticing yes and Alex Zane does hit the taco driver onto Tony yep. Deppin for the victory. And as you said, they both hugged each other afterwards. But you didn't yeah. you had that kind of little pause where you didn't know if Tony Deppin's gonna be the asshole that he is and just oh, kind of totally do something to Zane. It. Yeah. I was waiting for it too, but then like I was I also kind of had in my mind I was like, no, I remember these two, like they have a lot of respect for each other and they love working. As you said, you could kind of tell they love working with each other. So I thought that was a nice way of Tony Deppin of giving the respect of Alex Zane and since Alex Zane just beat him. So instead of getting a heelish Tony Depp in, we got a more like, hey, he's a real person. He's got friends. He's got people that likes him. He's got the respect for what he considers the wrestling family or his own family. Like it was a different side of Tony that I like seeing in oh, yeah. certain situations like this. I don't want to see him just do it just to do it to be the baby face. I love seeing his asshole work, but I love seeing him during matches against Alexander, someone he really respects. You see you mm -hmm. see how he really cares about the product and he's trying to make everybody improve and improve GCW. Before we get into the fifth match of the evening, MLJ uh, announces that Pollo Del Mar is going to come out to be the ring announcer for the next match. And as she is getting into the ring, she ends up giving MLJ a kiss. And I know I said the line of the night earlier was the, I think it was the cake, the cake bump. I think this was actually the line of the night because Fars, uh, Lars Fredrickson, not Fars Ledrickson, Lars <laughs> Fredrickson uh, okay. made a comment and said, uh, oh, MLJ just stole a kiss. And then KG goes, yeah, that might be his first on-screen kiss. And Lars goes, I think that's his first kiss ever at KG. And that was hilarious. <laughs> They're making fun of MLJ because MLJ, you see him on Twitter, you know, he's always out there trying to, find out where all the ladies are when he's uh at home not doing these announcements he's trying to find the mm -hmm. the ladies at the bar so i thought this was a pretty fun uh fun little comment by Lars fredrickson and for the yeah. fifth match oh sorry go ahead no no, no. Oh, the yeah. only thing I, I had one note I, I only one note i want everybody who's who's out there to put on their ecw hat just for a minute sparky ballard looks just like terry funk from the side that that's i'm sorry all i wanted to say what was that next match? <laughs> and I, I, well, said, going into that next, but I kind of like how too, like we always kind of talk about the give the wherever they're at, they try to get the local independent talent. We mostly mm -hmm. talk about wrestlers in those rings, but this was kind of a cool spot that really gave uh, West Coast referee. Mm -hmm. I think Sparky's done um, some Agua shows. I think I've seen him on a couple of clips when I've watched some of the Agua clips on Twitter. Um, 
I think that was his uh his GCW debut, if I'm not mistaken. But I like how we have the different refs also get involved in yes. the matches as like sometimes we're out here in Vegas or even LA, I see some of the when I go to the LA shows or watch them, I see some of the rest or referees that we see in Vegas. Uh Isaac Hayes, um not Chad Rico too much, but I know Chad Rico kind of does a lot of shows as well, but he's more of a whenever they're in town in that local area. I like seeing how they incorporate the referees as long as well as the wrestlers into these cards. So that was another cool little thing as we were doing callbacks. So we've given them given the local talent, independent talent, a bigger platform. They're also giving them yes. the same platform to referees, which is awesome seeing. Uh, the fifth match of the night is Joey Janela, or as uh, Pollo Damar announced, the internet's most hated wrestler. Going against mm-hmm. Star Boy Charlie. And I was actually kind of disappointed they didn't make that change from the night before where Blake Christian yeah. was calling them Star Man Charlie. I was kind of hoping like we maybe see a little different version, especially as uh, it being in San Francisco where I know he's around yeah. in that San Francisco area. But I think we, we will allude to that a little later on near the end of this match because they kind of make a call back as well. What were your thoughts on this match, John? Yeah, this was this was really Starboy's hometown. So I really thought that this may have been a great time to do the Starman situation. But with this, I mean, they could be building the Starman thing maybe for a year because this could be a uh, well, this could be a homecoming thing. So maybe they're building it up for now. But if they were to go this route, this would be a really, really fun thing to debut on a, on a bigger stage. Uh, Lars, <clears throat> I'm sorry, Janela was heel mostly through this Lars Fredrickson was mad that he had to call the match, which I thought was a little funny. There was a huge running double foot stomp to the outside of the ring into Starboy Charlie's chest. That was super stiff. I I'm sure you probably remember seeing that. That was a hell of an impact. That was one of those impacts where it actually changed the trajectory of Starboy's body. And I mean, that was just impressive there. I think this was another one of these matches that Joey has not often had, but he has with these younger wrestlers. I I just think about when he had the match with Jordan, when Jordan kind of first joined uh, GCW, he was kind of getting the bad rap and the booze because he didn't join right away as some of these other wrestlers that came from the promotion where they came from. Um, Mm -hmm. Jordan was a little bit later, not too far later, but I know when he first showed up, he got a kind of a bad rap from the fans. He's automatically healed because of where he came from and the other promotion. And he had a few matches with a few different wrestlers, not just Joey Janela, but the Joey one sticks out to me where they, Joey lays it in on these younger talents when it's not just when he like thinks like, Oh, you're an asshole. I'm going to beat it out of you. If he doesn't care about you, he'll just do his match. Doesn't care about putting you over. We'll just do the match, collect the month, collect the check and then go the pay window as Vance Warner says. But I've seen Mm -hmm. Joey against Jordan. I think he also did it against Atticus. If I remember correctly, where he lays it in and he only does that. when He's like, Hey, you have something in you. You deserve to be here, even though the fans mm-hmm. don't think so, or your attitude is not how we like it. But it's kind of like they're um, not initiation or hazing or anything like that. But it's like, hey, you have the talent in you. We're gonna, I'm gonna get it out of you now, and I'm gonna make you feel it, and I'm gonna get that emotion out of you to show you you have what it takes to be in this GCW ring full time and this was another one of those match where I know start like I said before Starbright Charlie I don't I've never heard a bad thing said about him 
The fans have always loved him. And I think this was one of those way, one of these matches where Joey Janelle is like, hey, we're getting rid of the star boy stuff. I'm not going to mm-hmm. treat you like a boy. I'm going to treat you like a man. And I'm going to really connect on all these things and make you toughen up and earn it. And I think this was one of those matches, as you said, on that stiff double stomp. I think this was, this just made me call back to the Jordan match where he sees something in Starboy, as he saw in Jordan. He's going to make you, you want to stay in GCW? He's going to make you earn it, but he's also going to make yeah. you look good while doing that. Well, the whole time during the match there, I'm noticing that uh, old Poyo there, she's sitting in the front row the whole time. And I, I did, it didn't make sense to me. Obviously not until further on, but I'm just going, what in the hell is she doing over there? Normally it's time to go back, maybe jump on commentary, say a couple fun things, you know, she enjoys herself. But um, there was a point where Joey picked up Starboy and then started doing the thing like he did at the backyard where he started walking him around the venue and gotten to a point where he just kind of threw him on the chair. And it was really an impressive spot. And I think it was KG maybe that was asking for a replay. And I guess replay kind of sped it up to double speed and was going around. And there was a point where they were kind of singing the Benny Hill theme. Nah, 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 yep. nah, nah. And I really thought that was entertaining. Yeah, that I think that was uh, Lars singing that. And I know we made a couple uh, mentions of Lars. He's not normally on these shows. Like he he loves GCW. I know he's talked about her on a couple of different podcasts saying how much he loves GCW wrestling. And I know like whenever they go to the West Coast, they always try to go the GCW roster and crew goes out of their way to make sure Lars comes to the show and they see Lars. Yeah. And I I was kind of interested to see what like, I was like, okay, he's on commentary. Maybe they're just gonna let in this famous rock star just kind of hop on commentary and just kind of have fun. But I think he actually took it kind of seriously where he did provide a lot of good input from an outside perspective that we don't normally get when we see kg mlj dave prazak on commentary so i thought that was awesome even though this one was more comedy when he did the like making fun of the as you said the benny hill song like i i i like seeing Lars on commentary and like i wouldn't mind seeing them all the time i don't want to see him all the time but when they're in these San Francisco shows, don't want a match here or there. And I think he will be able to, to provide a lot on the commentary end. Well, no kidding. The first thing I wanted to say about that is I really like Lars. No kidding, man. If, if anybody ever, you know, has a chance to Lars is a cool guy to listen to Lars. If you ever have a chance to listen to this freaking like you do. <laughs> um, so Charlie really did shine in several spots. It was really expected since it was his hometown. I really didn't expect this match to go almost 23 minutes whatsoever. And I mean, just saying development wise, if this would have happened a year ago, I would have expected maybe a seven minute match. I'm not really sure. But overall, you know, the second half of the match was Charlie. It was a lot of impactful moves. You know, Janela sold really well for Charlie, so it made it look really good. There was a couple spots left where, you know, Joey hit an avalanche style brain buster onto Starboy. Joey was jumping off the top rope with his pants pulled down. I mean, so so he went from everything from these impactful moves and these chops up to just being Janela to make sure that everybody keeps uh, keeps their uh, attention on him. Yes. And just have we I said earlier about Tony Depp and kind of controlling the crowd. Joey's gotten to the point now where he knows like what to do. I think like if we saw it in the the LA show with the Kevin Blackwood, he knows he kind of felt that night, like even like, hey, the crowd's kind of getting behind me and I don't think they mm-hmm. should because just like what a couple months ago, you guys were all throwing shit at me. But I think he's very he's gotten very good in my opinion of adapting 
and changing up what his like original plan was in the ring. Like, hey, I'm gonna be this bad guy. They're all gonna hate me, but if they start to cheer him, he knows we're like, hey, maybe I should go with this. Maybe we have something here as me as a face. Or hey, no, I'm not ready to be a face. I gotta double down on the heel stuff and he goes full on heel and sometimes as we saw on the LA show a couple months ago, he goes overboard with it. But I think we kind of start seeing this weekend as a little evolution of Joey of, hey, we've seen him now as an asshole the last couple of weeks, uh, but he took a couple losses after the collective weekend, which kind of like made, I know KG made commentary of, I don't like this Joey. I don't like this new Joey. I wanted the old Joey back. Mm. I wanted the fun Joey back. And I thought this weekend of his match against Kevin Blackwood, and especially right here against Starboy Charlie was his way of kind of getting back in the fans good graces and starting to mm-hmm. turn him heel but he's got such a control where he could just go back and forth and play both ends and it, it's not really a difference because he just does him so good and he meshes well with it yeah it's really fun for him to you know go out there and do his thing solidify you know his partner or i'm sorry his uh his dancing partner out there so to speak and um he is still able to put a couple really funny spots in there. Just just how we mentioned here with these bullet points where, you know, he picks up Starboy and starts, you know, carrying him around the venue. Like, it's nice that he puts on a match. And at the same time, there are memorable, memorable spots in each and every one of his uh, his matches. I can go back to my notes on each each one of these shows and I can find something funny to chuckle about. And he can put on 16 minutes in this case, 23 minutes and still, you know, have something entertaining that went on. But I mean, he's just a solidifying kind of guy. Now we ran over his uh, opponents. uh, I think it was last show and he's just really putting it out there and it's all kinds of styles. And now it looks like this recent trend has been some of the newer guys trying to solidify these guys as, you know, solid GCW talents. And we don't see a lot of like the same matches. Like Joey will go against one person and then he won't go near that person again for the longest of times. He's keeping his matchups fresh, which makes it more entertaining on my end. I'm like, Oh, I never just, I wonder what he's going to do against Starboy. Like that was my, like I was thinking, I was going based off of back of what he did in the old LA show against Waltman, where he turned on Waltman. I was like, oh, I wonder if he's going to go full on asshole here against Starboy Charlie and kind of like, like I said, in doc, like not in doctor, but like, hey, you're going to earn this spot. You're not going to be Starboy no more. We got bigger things. GCW's got bigger things for you. And he just uh, does a very good job of adapting to what the yeah. crowd is doing, I think. Well, I think in the end here, it really was, I, w- I would say it was almost predictable to a degree because I don't know if Starlo- Starboy was really going to pull out a win on this one, but boy, did they make him look strong. But uh, overall, Janela pulled out the win. Then he turns around and he wants to grab uh, grab a microphone. So somebody finally gives him mic- a microphone. He explains that he is working to help younger talent. And he has, like like we've said, been very active in doing that. He puts over Charlie, calls him Starman. So this is the second show in a row that fans have heard Starman. So then after that, Joey kind of flips it over and, and puts it over to Starboy. So Starboy takes the mic. He says that after his injury, he was miserable for those seven months. He was just wanting to get there. He was, he was uh, nervous about getting on the mic you could even tell you could tell he was kind of not brand new but you know he just wanted to come out there and give a good promo he says he's there to stay joey's kind of making faces behind him you know but uh 
I think Janela did a lot to put him over there, and I think they both looked really good for it, and it was really a, a nice, respectful thing to do on on uh, on Joey's side. Yeah, and I think that was the first time I've ever heard Starboy talk as well. To be honest with you, I remember like when he grabbed the mic, I was like, "Oh, he's talking!" Like I never, I don't think I've ever oh. heard him talk. Oh. So it's kind of nice to hear as we talk about Axe and Ray getting some promo time and uh, further developing his character. I thought it was cool of Starboy doing the same thing and. Especially he's been here a lot longer than Axon Ray, but we don't hear too much the wrestlers hop on the mic. We hear like mm-hmm. the Joey Janela's after each match. Not every single match, but after the match. We got the normal ones of Blake Christian hopping on before at the end of his match. They don't give a lot of mic time to these wrestlers. So it's kind of when I saw Starboy, I was like, oh, we get to see a new development up here. And maybe like as you said, like that frustration led him to realize, like, hey, I'm not a man no more. Or I'm not a boy no more. I'm now the man or a man. Yeah. But yeah. I thought they had big plans for him before the leg injury, unfortunately. But I like how they kind of are easing him back in and making sure he's okay. But now that he's proven he could go 23 minutes with Joey Janela or I what 15 minutes against a Blake Christian and not have any hiccups. I think they're right on. Okay, he's back. We're going to put that rocket on him again and we're going to push him how we were uh, before his injury. And that's where this next part comes in. And that's where the South Pacific Savages, <laughs> Batu and Juicy Finale, bolt to the ring and attack Starboy once again. And that's what I was kind of lead- talking about previously, where he was supposed to uh, go against Jacob and Juicy before his injury. Uh, he was, uh, had a different tag partner at that time. But uh, mm-hmm. he was supposed to go against those two. That's kind of like they were building them up. And at that, that back then, I thought that was a safe way to kind of do it because we've seen a lot of Starboy at that point, but we didn't know kind of if he was ready for those kind of matches as a singles competitor. And before they were going to put him with another wrestler who was kind of just like Joey Janela, a GCW guy. We know who this person is. We know GCW. And hey, if he's got Chris uh, Starboy's, back then mm-hmm. we know hey as fans we got to get behind starboy as well and um them kind of going back to the same kind of feud except with now with a new partner um mm-hmm. i was very interested and i was very happy to kind of see like hey we didn't we didn't forget you about you starboy because like sometimes you see that in wrestling or even in sports an injury as a guy, as a person, anybody is escalating and improving, improving. And then you get the injury setback. It kind of knocks them down. And then people, when they come back, they kind of forget about what that person was doing before they got injured. So I liked how they kind of eased him into it. And then now it's like, okay, he's good. We're going full on with this, uh, with this feud and this angle. And I think it has a very bright end, hopefully, but who never, who knows what Jacob fought to and, Juicy, like that. Jacob Batu is one of the only wrestlers where, if I'm in the same arena as him, I don't know what to expect. Like I was, yeah. I was there front row, uh, one at one of the LA shows where Juicy came, or not Juicy. Jacob originally showed up and attacked Starboy's leg, and kind of was like they played off of that angle and stuff like that. Jacob Batu is uncontrollable, <laughs> unpredictable. He's one of those yeah. ones you just never know what is going to happen with him. And I remember being in the front row with my wife and I was like, Jacob came out and was just going after getting in fans face, going after the wrestlers, throwing chairs over fans heads at his target and another wrestler. Mm -hmm. Like he don't care where he's at or what's going on. It is like 
chaos with him. And being with Juicy now, Juicy's kind of not turned his back against the fans. I know Juicy had a big following before, but kind of joining yeah. joining Jacob Fatu, creating these South Pacific Savages. I love the pairing. I think it added another dimension to Juicy, which I think he kind of needed as instead of the lovable, lovable big guy. He's now like, oh, no, I'm the badass big guy. You don't want to mess with me. Like, I'm done being nice to all you guys. I am bigger than you. I am stronger than you. I get to impose my power on you. And I just love seeing how they kind of continued the South Pacific Savages attacking Starboy Charlie. Yeah, so I'll go back to one or two points that you made earlier about Charlie there where, you know, it had him on the mic and he's brand new and we're starting to rekindle some things. Juicy is about to take some time off for just a little bit to heal up his body. So I'm sure they were rekindling this so they can come back uh, to this later. If Juicy is going to rekindle and get that body back in order, that's going to make him just that much more dangerous. Then the other thing I wanted to talk about was that when it comes to Starboy, I'm actually, I won't want to say happy because the kid got injured. But I was happy now that we have been able to hold off on any push from him an additional year because I think he's still growing into his body. And he would have hit the peak of his storyline sometime this past year. And he still uh, has his young body on him yet. He's still string beanie. And uh, it's it might be a little time before he kicks that. And it's going to happen. You know, I've seen uh, Eddie Guerrero look like a string bean. And all it took was just some time. And then eventually it took him some effort. And that got him somewhere. So the one thing I also wanted to talk about is, is probably my last thing, but it was a good one, was if you want to see Starboy go up, just get him some mic work. But if you wanted to talk about one thing that would take quite a few guys to the next level, it's mic work. You want to talk about two people right off the top of my head that would do great if they just put on some mic work and go to the next level would be Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver. If Nick Wayne got a microphone and had something really to say. I really do think you'd lock in the men even more. And I think the women would eventually lock in even more. And I think that that's another one. Jordan Oliver, I think he's set for one hell of a push. And I think he's been on a slow ride uh, north for quite a while now. And I think everybody's just maybe starting to pay attention. I was talking about his record on Twitter uh, not too long ago. And off the top of my head, he has the most matches, I believe, this year, or the most wins, I believe, this year. I can't remember exactly what I was posting on that. But, I mean, he's just he's just putting in damn, damn impressive work right now. He's put on all that muscle. So, I mean, just, just wonderful overall. But I really do feel this is a situation where if those, uh, if those performers would just start to get on the microphone, there'd be quite a few of them that would propel to the next level. Yeah, going off of what you were saying, Jordan Oliver has the most matches currently in GCW this year with 35. Mm -hmm. um, he is 17 and 18, so the record's not too great, but also counts the tag record. And with him and Nick Wayne growing as a tag team, you could, as we've talked about, and it's kind of obvious to the eye is how much they're improving. So you obviously assume that with the improving chemistry that those two have, that their Jordan's record will go up. But yeah, he has mm -hmm. definitely been the most worked guy in GCW right now. Um, kind of going back as you said, like not a lot of people get the mic time. I think that's where I was having kind of my issue, not an issue, but where I couldn't fully get behind Blake Christian because it seemed like yeah. he, he was the only one getting the mic time. Like, why isn't a Jordan getting a mic time? Why isn't a Tony Deppin getting a mic time? Why isn't Alex Zane getting a mic time? Like, I just kind of hated how they would leave the mic for 
Blake, and then of course like Joey to or someone else that had just had a great match against a hot up and comer wrestler, and give them like, hey, like you deserve to be here, you earned it, good job with GCW. I would like to see different wrestlers throughout, not even throughout throughout the night. I don't want to take action time away because that's obviously with other companies my biggest gripe is when you go see a show, you end up seeing instead of three hours of wrestling, you see thirty minutes of wrestling and two and a half hours of soap opera that you could have watched at mm-hmm. home instead of you're just watching it in an arena on a big screen. I would, I love how it's all action, but if you're going to give Blake Christian or a Joey Janela mic time, like switch it up every night, like give, give someone new that you think is going to improve and can give them a chance to show like, Hey, sink or swim on the mic. Now they let them sink or swim in the ring as we see with commander and all these other People yep, that are yep. brand new to GCW, it's sink or swim, swim time. I would like to see, that, as you said, more people get the same amount of mic time every week. Like one week, like you said, Nick Wayne could do it this time. And then next time, Jordan. Next time, Alex Zane. Next time, uh, not Moxley, but you know what I'm saying. Like We would like to see more that mic club be spread out where it's not overtaking the show while it's still having all the wrestling, but... I just want to see more people get mic time and going off what you said too, as the injury for uh Starboy, mm-hmm. you see that he didn't get lazy. A lot of these, a lot of not everybody, we get injured. Like, Oh, I hurt my leg. I can't go to the gym. So now I'm going to take six months off to just recover my leg and not focus on improving myself, the rest of my body or mental health or social health or any of that stuff. You just see them kind of like, Hey, I'm focusing on my leg. I'm going to get my leg better when my leg better, then I'm going to hit the gym where Starboy, I think he did build up. I think maybe Lars made mention to this. I'm not 100% sure that he might not look drastically bigger when he returned, but you could tell he put in the work in the gym while he was gone. So that way he's like, Hey, if I'm going to get this push and that's what they're going to do to me, I got to keep this momentum going and keep building off of it. I can't let this injury be a setback, even though it's going to be time-wise. I don't have to let that set me back as a character, as a wrestler, as a performer, I could improve all these other things that don't require my leg to do. And I think that's what Starboy has done. And I think this is why they continue in that push because he, I don't think he's missed a step. I'm always worried with those kind of injuries when it's a freak injury, but it's also a nasty one because it was pretty nasty. Like I saw that one. I even told my son, I'm like, yeah, be careful about wrestling tomorrow and during your wrestling school because this is a move Starboy's done thousands and thousands of times. He landed wrong one time. I don't even think he landed wrong. It just happened. And those freak injuries always make me think like, oh my God, it could happen again. It could happen again. And like, especially, mm-hmm. especially in wrestling, like even when I watch football too, like a guy snaps his leg in half and you see it swinging back and forth. And then oh, two years later, oh, dude. two years later, you see Dak Prescott running down the sideline again. You're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then, oh, he got hit. Oh, he's fine. <laughs> Ooh, like the pressure of that is just crazy. But I love seeing Starboy come back from that injury. I think he's better than ever now. I think you've seen his mm-hmm. his game evolve and that push is going to keep going. And um, as we saw during this match, that feud with uh, South Pacific Savages is going to continue. Um, so they did come out. They did attack Starboy. And then we see, going back to how you said, why is Pollo DeMar still sitting in the front row? Well, she ends <laughs> up getting involved here. That's why she sat in front row. And I was thinking the same thing as you did too. And I was like, why is she sitting in front row? And like when we talk about the GCW, the people versus GCW in a, our next episode, while well, we saw like certain, uh, a certain person sitting in the front row, I'm like, why are they sitting mm-hmm. in the front row? Are they like really here just to enjoy the show? But like, nope, there's a reason for it. So yeah. 
Poyo then slides into the ring, is trying to protect Starboy, trying not to let Juicy and Jacob continue their terror that they've been having on Starboy. And if I remember correctly, because I know this was a couple weeks ago, didn't they splash uh, Poyo, right? Yeah. 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 So that's why she was in the front row. That, so that kind of explains it. But like, <laughs> as you said that, I was thinking, thinking the exact same thing. I'm like, why? what is the reason for her sitting in front row? Then I, like, my yeah. thinking was like, oh, because Lars is in uh, commentary, so there's no room there. So instead of going all the way back up there and then running all the way back down and then announcing the winner, like that's why she was there. And I, I don't know. I like seeing them continue the story because I think mm-hmm. Jacob Batu, too, is like one of the most – underrated wrestlers there is like i didn't watch too much of them but i just know when like you ever you always hear in wrestling when someone walks in you hear the commentary oh the mood just changed or oh the Mm -hmm. feeling in the crowd just changed i have experienced that thing with jacob like i know in the ring like he came out i got told my wife like Oh my, cause I remember like, I was like, Oh my God. And like the action was right by us. The chairs were flying over our head. Like I even told my wife, let's go this way. And then like juicy was there. I'm like, Oh my God, we can't run into juicy. Let's go back that way. Oh no, Jacob. Like you, I even think you didn't even see me on one of these LA shows, like running halfway across, like both ways. I'm like, this is getting out of hand where I don't want to get hit. I don't want my <laughs> wife to get hit. I don't know what Jacob's doing. He's just so unstable and so unpredictable where I think that's such a good feeling to have in GCW is the unpredictability. And I think that's what makes GCW awesome. Not even just in Jacob's unpredictability, but like you watch Mm -hmm. these shows, we don't know what's going to happen. We always expect like something crazy is going to happen. And Jacob Fatu just brings that every time he's out. Yeah, this was, uh, this was a damn enjoyable match. I really didn't. uh, First of all, I didn't know what to expect, but about 15 to 20 minutes in, I'm going, holy crap, this thing's really going to ride out. And it ended up being a really good time overall. It was really nice to see that Charlie could see. It's one thing for someone to have a match. It's really nice to see someone like Charlie really, really take an evening and really, really take in almost a match and a half's worth of time. And he wrote it nicely and made him look like a champ. I'm happy, man. Yeah, I think this weekend was star man Charlie's weekend. I thought this was his coming out party. Um, and I know uh, Joey Janela, I think he even talked maybe during this match or maybe it was online or somewhere. But it has been announced that it will be Joey Janela teaming with Starboy Charlie going against the South Pacific Savages in la i forgot the name of the show but their next la show in september that was the first match announced for that card and i like how it's bringing it back where it started was in la Uh is where it's going to end hopefully for the sixth match of the evening we have the east coast ace big breakfast jordan oliver going against the future franchise and Titus Alexander and John, when I first saw this match, I was excited as we all know, I'm a big Jordan fan, but Titus is something else in the ring. He is Mm -hmm. one of those ones you need to watch out for, but he's also one of those ones where he's not there yet, but he's as close as you can be to showing where he's ready for a bigger and better stage. Um, And I think this was one of these matches where a lot of people I saw online, a couple people said like, oh, Jordan goes from Biff Busick to Titus Alexander, like as a step down, where I looked mm-hmm. at it as the opposite. I'm like, no, this is one of these matches that Titus Alexander, it's a step up for him. And it's just his time to showcase his skills and show the fans of why he deserves to be the 
face of the franchise now instead of in the future. So I was looking forward to this match. Um, I was expecting a high flying, fast paced match. What did you think of this match, John? Uh, well, right off the bat, you were saying these are two very young athletes. Jordan's 23. I believe Titus is either 20 or 21. If someone can help me out and maybe hit me on Twitter with that one, because I'm not 100% sure and it's really hard to find his age. I mean, maybe on purpose, who knows? Uh, athletic match overall, quite a few moves executed, had real impact. Uh, Titus is, the, I'm afraid to step on this one because here we come, but Titus is the heel that we need in GCW. Uh, but we would need spoil uh, storylines for him to spoil because he's the type of guy that we haven't seen one like him in a while. But, you know, there's something great going on. There's a feel good moment. And here comes that asshole. And I think when it comes to the look, when it comes to the in-ring action we've seen out of Titus, I think he's one of those—he's uh, one of those ones that I think in in five years he's probably going to be ready to move on, if not before that. Actually, if he's still running around on the indies in five years, there's going to be something wrong with him that we don't know about. I'd be shocked. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But the whole time we're getting "fuck you, Titus" chance, "let's go, Titus" chance. That says a lot. You and I both know what that means. So I mean, even on the the heel side, he's getting great getting great attention from everyone yes and as you said like we we've kind of talking about like gcw kind of looking for that next kind of person that everyone could scream fuck ohio or fuck 440 like we're looking for that next level heel where they walk in and it is just a rain of booze we kind of had that with joey when he turned on waltman we have that in cardona i think and we've said charles mason would be a good fit too Yes, very much so. I think Charles Mason would be a good fit as the spoiler, but as a more ready performer to possibly elevate that spoiler move or Mm -hmm. or spoiler heat, Titus Alexander, as you said, as for as young as he is, he does not show his age. He looks as experienced as anyone I've seen when he walks through those curtains, especially at that young age. He's just like... Once again, I said this before, I think, like, why am I here to perform in front of you guys? Like, you guys are so beneath me. I'm doing you a favor here. I don't need your help. I don't want you to cheer for me. I am not going to be giving you any praise or respect for cheering for me. I could do this without anyone's help. And every single match he does, his match against Alex Zane, like, you see the crowd start to get behind him. And then he does one of those asshole moves like how he did in this match the same thing he tells everybody hey clear the area i'm tossing jordan five rows back you guys want your little wrestler and fan do you guys want him in your lap here we go and then he mm-hmm. kind of fakes like he's going to throw him and then rolls him into the ring and flips off the crowd and says i don't need you and i just think that's the kind of heel that we've been kind of like me and you as spe- specific yeah is missing to kind of elevate the faces and wouldn't elevate just Titus. I think anyone that would go against Titus as in like Jordan Oliver, this match, even though um, the crowd was behind Jordan, but Titus being a West coast kind of guy and they kind of real see him more on the West coast and Jordan being the East coast ace that kind of mm-hmm. gave the West coast crowd a little more incentive to cheer on Titus. And they want the root for their not hometown. I know it's not his home area, but like and at the West coast, we want to see our West coast guy get the win over the East coast guy. And Absolutely. no, and I just think that is awesome. Like Titus, 
is improving every single time we see it. He's taking the step. And I just think if he's at that age now where I think not the age, I think he's at that point now they need to pull the trigger on him and see what he could do as they heal. And him being the most hated heel is only going to help whoever he wrestles against as he face as that person will, would probably get more cheers than normal because everyone hates Titus. Well, let's, let's go ahead and put some words together. How about Titus MLW, Titus Impact? No. And I'm just saying, at the MLW level, they're not picking that kid up yet. Yeah, and I don't I know. know. Like MLW is kind of like the perfect, where you said the perfect spot. I know the MLW's had issues with Jordan Oliver uh, holding his yeah. contract hostage, holding Mance Warner's contract hostage. We've heard Dark these- elevation, bro. Dark elevation. We yes. can't possibly put Titus on dark. You know, I mean, come on, seriously. What a great spot for him. But I think I, I was good, like to kind of finish my point is that MLW. Sorry, no, no, you're good. No, that's kind of like kind of where I was leading to. Whereas I think that MLW now is kind of shown ever since they've kind of are now kind of getting back into the swing of things full time as they were before the pandemic. I think they're trying to get rid of the stigma with their contract issues of being a bad promotion. Cause we heard Mance Warner talk a bunch of crap. Like there was that free Mance Warner. Uh, like yeah. it was trending for like the longest time. And I know at GCW shows, KG would always mention it. Same thing with Jordan Oliver. It was like, I don't know the whole behind the scenes issue with that. I just know there seemed at that time to be a problem with MLW. And even Joey was talking crap about MLW. I don't think I've ever seen Joey work MLW. But now with Mance Warner kind of re-signing with MLW, surprisingly to me, I was kind of shocked to see Mance Mm -hmm. Warner worked all that time to get out of his contract and he only enjoyed it for like eight months. And now he's back with MLW. I think maybe MLW is trying to change their image that they have for wrestling fans and just wrestlers in general saying, Hey, we're not what you hear on social media and the news outlets. Like you don't get the full story. Here's our full story. And Hey, if we have Mance Warner trash talking us, but then nine months later we sign him to a contract and he signs it willingly. That means we are doing something right and we could be trusted to get these wrestlers coming in. And I think as you were saying, like, I didn't want, like, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like that Titus to MLW, know what another famous biggest heel in the wrestling company came from? Really? Oh yeah. MJF. MLW. Like, I think that would be a perfect stepping stone and a good platform to show Titus's elevation. And I think it would give Titus, like, like I was saying, the platform to showcase, hey, here's how I'm going to improve as a wrestler. And then maybe that would lead into, I think, I think with Titus, he needs to kind of take those little steps, not just jump into elevation, dark elevation, as we see Blake Christian, because I kind of think Blake Christian is way too talented to be on dark elevation, taking these squash losses to AEW kind of regulars. That's kind of mm-hmm. what dark is. I would like to see... Titus giving the platform to not just, Hey, I'm going, I'm on TV. I'm on YouTube. I'm on AEW, but I lose a five minute match to Johnny hungry, Johnny silver, you know, like I want to see him on TV, given the TV time or the YouTube time or whatever MLW is on to, um, evolve his character. Kind of like how MJF did on that and that would show other companies as an impact hey this guy's doing some mm-hmm. good stuff i would like to see him take these slow steps 
to the big stage. I don't want to. I don't want to see him kind of take the Blake Christian route of, hey, yeah, I'm on AEW, but I'm taking squash losses on Dark against no no names. Where if that match were to happen in GCW, mm-hmm. there's going to be a different result. So I would just like to see like how that MLW was perfect of Titus of going there first, showcase your stuff there, run shop there, leave, go to Impact, run run shit, leave. Like I want to see Titus do that. It's just for some reason Titus and MJF to me seem to parallel. I think they're they're treated by the fans damn near the well. Let's not say that yet. Titus has Titus has the kind of heat. He's not there yet, but I think at some point it, again, what will establish him as a hated heel will be storylines. He needs to be that guy. Otherwise, I mean, what's he going to do? Mess up a match here or there? I mean. What are you really going to do? He's gonna, We're going to boo him for a couple of minutes, and that's going to be the end of it. The only thing that will make him a bigger heel if he's going to spoil matches is just spoiling bigger matches. And that's just a pain in the ass because paying fans don't always want to see a championship match, you know, DQ'd, which we don't do, but what a pain in the ass. Um, but Titus's in-ring work doesn't, uh, doesn't really show his youth, so I think he is very capable. I think at the higher level, there may be someone who can train him on mic work. I don't know how how good his mic work is, but I do feel that that would be something that would be great for him. I wanted to kind of kind of a little off the subject. I didn't even know about this on Twitter, but KG brought it up during the show. I'm sure it wasn't a real, but uh, <laughs> there was a survey on Twitter. The best type of smoke is blunt smoke, uh, followed by hickory smoke. So I didn't know that. Obviously, this was something that came up in San Francisco. So I just wanted to make sure that if anyone ever wanted the hundred dollar answer there, it's it's blunt smoke, then it's history. It's uh, hickory smoke. So, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I think a lot of too with uh, Titus's overall presentation and. We kind of saw it during this match. We've I've seen it a little bit during matches. I know I said it before, like he always shows to the fans like he does not need you. He does not want your support. He does not want your help. But I like I, it. I believe his moveset sometimes says differently. Like I don't like heels doing crazy good moves because that's what pops us fans. We like seeing these new right. shit, the new stuff. And when right. a heel does it, it's like, oh, did you see that? I can't cheer for it though because he's a heel. I'm supposed to boo him. And I like like going back to that spot where, hey, I'm gonna throw Jordan five rows deep. No, I'm not. I'm gonna throw him in the ring. Like that's the stuff <laughs> I want to see him do more of. Or like, I'm not giving you fans what you want. I'm gonna do what I want to do with or without you guys. Like another wrestler I saw do that um at the Hammerstein show. Uh, I forgot one of the lucha matches, one of the lucha stars they bring in. He always goes to the top rope and he does the flippy flippy shit signal and that hey, I'm gonna you guys wanna see lucha? Watch this stuff. I'm gonna do a 450 or some 630s. And then he just jumps off the rope, flips off the fans, and then steps on the wrestler. Like that's the, <laughs> that's the crowd control I love. Like Tony Deppin, like is another one. Like I think he can. We've seen, especially with, like right around the collective time, he like he was kind of working his way and like promoting himself. Like hey, I want to be on that world on lucha. I could do lucha stuff mm-hmm. too. And he brought back some of his on Twitter, some of his old lucha stuff that he was did back when he was younger. Like he could pull that out. I think at any time. It's just he knows that's what the fans like to see. And if I start doing that, then they're not going to boo me as much as they are booing me. They're going to start cheering for me. And me being the asshole that I am, I don't want that. And so I love how Titus is doing that. I would just like to see him do a little bit more where I think his moveset, because he's so good 
and he's so ready right now i think i think i would like to see him kind of get rid of the high flying flippy stuff and do more of a character development and working against the crowd in his moveset and during his matches as well but this was a one a fun match i wish they would give maybe wish they would give him a couple more minutes because i think these mm-hmm. two could tear the Me house too. down yeah, Jordan versus Titus would tear the house down, I think. And I was, like that's what I was kind of excited for. And it, it was one of the better matches of the night. I just think with a little bit more time, it could have been one of those show stealers. But obviously, as we kind of always talk about, like the semi-main event, like we've been kind of seeing GCW booking a little bit uh, towards, hey, the semi-main event, let's just kind of keep it nice, easy, simple. Yeah. You guys go out there and get the platform, but we're going to kill it with the main event. And I think that this was one of those matches that could have stole the show. But I think with the time constraints, I kind of restricted it from doing it. But it was overall a great match. Titus is ready. Jordan was a perfect opponent for Titus as Jordan's been on his roll lately uh, to kind of keep Titus down a little bit maybe, but while also promoting Jordan as Jordan Oliver did get the win with the clout, uh, clout cutter for the victory. But once again, as we always say, this time it's kind of going the opposite though. We always say, hey, the heel won, but the face came out looking good i think in this match we see yeah. the face win but the heel looking really good as well yeah you know i was really happy with this one i don't really know how much more i could really say about it it's just these two right here if i would be able to build a company you're looking at a great heel and a great face yeah especially those age <laughs> it seems like every episode we're like hey young pillar young pillar young talent young talent like gcw is awesome with bringing in great young talent and like not noticed talent and giving them that stage to grow and improve. And uh, I want to see Titus kind of graduate from LA fights, as you say, and mm-hmm. uh, become a more of a regular and go on the East coast with GCW, go on their Midwest swings and do all that stuff. I want to see more Titus in different locations for GCW. For our seventh match of the evening, we have Speedball Mike Bailey going against Jack Cartwheel. And same thing, kind of going off of the last match with Jordan and Titus. I was excited. I thought this would be a very uh, high-paced match with a lot of creativity. And it was during uh, certain points of this match. It wasn't as uh, fluid as I would thought it would be, but overall, I thought it was a pretty good match. I same thing as Jordan. If they just give a couple extra minutes, I think it could have been better. But uh, what was your thoughts on this match, John? So the match right before this and this match both were 13 minutes. They were really two seconds apart from each other. Completely different feels when it comes to matches. Uh, initially off the bat, I was expecting a match that was full of quick moves, a lot of chain wrestling. It definitely delivered that. Both uh, started off with a handshake and a hug. I really thought that was kind of cool. So we're looking at face to face right off the bat in the first minute, seven cartwheels ended up with holy shit chance from the crowd, man. That was really cool. Uh, Lots of spins, dives, twists. I mean, both men, very impressive. Neither disappointed. Same thing, man. Give them 20 minutes. I think I think speedball can carry 15 to 20 easy anywhere. Oh, yeah. Yes. And as you were saying with the cartwheels, even the referee did a cartwheel. So I, I like seeing <laughs> the referees kind of get involved. Like, I don't like to see him take over the shows. But like, as we've seen, the kind of like that wrestling revolver referee. Uh, um, yeah. What is his name? I think it's 
Dick Chan, I think. I think there's Nick Shin and Dick Chan. I don't know what his name is, but like I love seeing the referees kind of like every once every three months or once every four months, give them a little spot. Either have them take a bump, have them do the cartwheel, or as that referee does, like sometimes he choke slams a wrestler or dives to the outside. Like I just love seeing them kind of give the referees some playful time and kind of show like, hey, we know you're kind of like always a forgotten person in the matches. But as us as wrestlers, we don't forget that. We see it. We acknowledge how great you are. And that's a good thing if we don't notice you because then that means the fans aren't talking bad about you and you messed up. Usually if a referee does yeah. their job, you don't hear their name. And that's a good thing if you don't know a referee's name for the most part. But I thought that yeah, was kind of cool. I'm big with them showing their personality as long as it's written into the storyline. You know what I mean? As long as away. everybody's okay with it. And exactly. Yeah. As long as it's not taken away from the match in any way. Otherwise, you just have three performers out e- there. Exactly. And um, another thing I liked during this match was uh, Speedball. As you said, like he could carry, he's got so much creative offense and it's just so mm-hmm. nonstop. Like even an eight minute match could feel like a 15, 20 minutes because like he just fits so much into so little. Where yeah. If he gets 20, 25 minutes, like we've seen him like against Ninja Mac, uh, against Blake Christian, like how when those matches go longer, like we see how good Speedball has is and has been. And I just love watching Speedball. He's one of my favorites to watch as well. Like if I see him, yeah. like, okay, I can't wait for this match. And always going to get start Jack Hartwheel, who, in my opinion, has improved tremendously since he's been working with AAA and getting to go down to Mexico and learning some more Lucha style and mm-hmm. going back to Alex Zane, getting better in New Japan. I just like seeing while the independent wrestlers are going all across the U.S., I love seeing them go to these other countries because that's how it was back in the day. You see them going to England and learning the more technical style. You see them going to uh, Japan and learning the strong style. You see them going to Mexico and learning the Lucha Libre style. I just love seeing the wrestlers excursion to other places, Mm -hmm. give the GCW name out there to represent GCW to AAA and then come back to the stage and show, Hey, this is what I learned over there. This is how much I improved. And Jack, Jack Cartwheel was definitely one of them. Yeah, they they could have had all the time in the world for this match. I would have not had, you know, a problem with it whatsoever. They could have strapped. Okay, so 13 minutes. They could have strapped on seven to 10 more minutes, and this could have been a main event. I say that 100 times about Speedball. He is, especially when it comes to the indie scene, he's one of the better. Maybe maybe not a lot of people talk about this because we we get caught up in the moves, but I've noticed where he's held matches that do tell a story. And I think that over time, he's excellent at being able to tell a story. I've seen him walking out of the ring and then barely walking and falling down as he's trying. I mean, he's he's selling the whole time. And I really do appreciate that. I uh, I thought it was really funny that Emil was talking. OK, I want to give Emil his his spot just for a minute here. When it comes to someone who really gives a shit, who really learns, who really loves it. Emil's probably one of the top of the food chain that I know around me and i don't want to say around me but people that i interact with via you know here or there uh social media primarily like that guy just knows his shit and he's always watching something different i actually taught i discovered iwtv quite a while ago and this is quite a while ago because i was talking to him about some old school i think it was old school czw 
And uh, ever since then, I, I couldn't be happier. But I just wanted to spend a minute, and I put this in my note, especially here, that Emil was just spitting out all this knowledge. And I just wanted to give him a moment of recording time to just say, my goodness. Um, yeah. But yeah, this was this was a main eventer, man. This was a future main eventer or a potential main eventer if they just gave him time. Yeah, and where MLJ shines too, in my opinion, is during these Lucha Lucha Libre matches. You just see how oh, excited yeah. he is and how like he knows these moves. He loves Lucha Libre wrestling. Like what I do, and I haven't seen him do it in the last couple, maybe months, maybe. But he uh, MLJ used to like on Twitter, like, hey, these are the matches I watch and I enjoyed of the week of October first to the seventh. You know, like he, weekly he would put his matches that he liked on Twitter. That he watched mm-hmm. and enjoyed, and I, I, I have like about seven of them, where I want now like, oh, I think I have a similar style of what I like in wrestling as MLJ. So like, whatever he posts on, I have to go out of my way, like how you said, with on IWTV to go check it out. And I think like his taste in wrestling is kind of perfect for GCW because it's not just lucha libre, it's not just the two biggest names going against each other, it's not just the death matches. Like he loves it all, and I think. Maybe his influence kind of comes across in this book and sometimes the booking maybe where he will suggest a name to Brett as and maybe he saw Commander do some crazy shit and he brought it up to Brett. Where I think maybe like MLJ might be deep down being the ones to kind of get some of these names that no one's ever heard of, like the Nick Waynes and the Commanders and all these other people that he brings it to Brett's attention and then Brett sees it and then Brett brings it in. So I, I don't, like you said, I want to give credit to MLJ because his enthusiasm, his knowledge for wrestling is amazing. And I know it's influenced me on what wrestling I want to go seek out now on my free time. Yeah. He's one of those guys that the only thing that would screw up a legacy in wrestling history right now, especially on the independent scene would be if he decided to quit. That's it. Like, that's the only thing I can really say. He's at a point right now to where he's only going to get better. He's only going to get smarter. He's now only gaining more experience with announcing and then with commentary. He's in a position where he'll be able to to put himself in work wherever he wants to go at some point. And I think another 10, 15 years, who the hell knows where he's going to be. But I mean, crying out loud, he's another one where he's not that old. Give him 30 years. Geez, where where would he be? Yeah. Unless he quits, there's nowhere for him. I mean, how could he not just be more and more recognized over time? I think he in person is probably the most integral part of the crowd and of the show as the ring announcer. Because you just see his enthusiasm and love of what is going on in front of him where he becomes one of us. And especially now we get to hear him on commentary enjoying the wrestling as one of us. I think he gives us fans a voice because mm-hmm. his energy that he brings, I know they bring in certain like specialized, like like in this car, we saw Pollo Damar, or in other cases on the West Coast, we've seen Denise Salcedo in LA or mm-hmm. in Hammerstein. We saw them bring back like one of the old, um, I think it was a ring of honor announcer or old ECW announcer. Like, I think he you know, is the Joey Styles. No, Did they bring Joey Styles? no, 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 no. I wish. Okay. I, then I wouldn't be saying this because that'd be a different story too. But um, okay, yeah. I, they brought in one announcer. I'm actually just watching that like on my watch alongs and stuff. Like I, I forgot who what the announcer name was, but he was old. Like they gave like going back to I love GCW giving even the announcers the love and mm-hmm. respect of hey you've done this for 20 years on the West Coast and now ring announce this match. Go in announce the wrestlers or as a ring announcer. I think MLJ is the only person I want to see doing it 
every single match because the energy that he brings, the passion that he does in the ring, it gets the fans hyped. And I, I just noticed that firsthand, like I said, no knock on Denise Salcedo, no knock on Pollo Damar, no knock on whoever they brought in Hammerstein. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they do awesome, but I think in a GCW setting, no one gets the fans as hyped and as loud as MLJ. And that's one position I don't think I'll ever change because, as you said, he's only improving each and every single time he does it. Yeah, I think it's a situation over at uh, GCW where I don't think, I mean, it would be beautiful to have a three-man team. I just don't think they can handle a three-man commentary team over there. If we had to go down to two, Prezak's wonderful. I mean, Prezak's great. I, I don't know. No, no knock against him. But with the current GCW product, I mean, we could see in five years where uh, Emil might be the straight man call, you know, calling it, and we might see KJ, KG move over to more of a color position. You know, KG will come up with some funny shit to say. Like Emil said, well, that's super duper poison after seeing a poison Rana. KG goes, well, that's more poison than Belle Bib DeVoe on a 12-inch <laughs> remix. So, I mean, it's just little little silly things like that. I just Going back, like I just think I might kind of disagree with you on the three-man stuff. I, I, uh, yeah. The yeah. three-person stuff. Um, I was like, going back to, I was just re-watching the Hammerstein show again. Um, I love, the, especially on that show. They brought in Ian Riccoboni. They brought in Lenny Leonard. They brought in Polio. Mm -hmm. They brought in Dave Prezak. They were in and out every single match. And I love hearing the different people doing it. Well, I preferably would like KG, Emil, and Dave Prezak. But let's say, hey, it's a death match. Switch out one of those. Bring Nick Gage in. That would be my ultimate commentary team. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I didn't think about that. But I love the rotating stuff. Like I like I Me get too. I love it. I get the take like maybe not three man. I don't think we've ever really heard three man. It's mostly been two. Even probably like, too much. Yeah. But I just love seeing the different voices. Except first when I first started watching GCW, I don't know. I didn't really know too much of Dave Prezak other than Ring of Honor and how he fit into GCW. And when I first went to the show, whatever, I went back and started rewatching the old GCWs and I started hearing Dave Prezak's voice. And then I didn't hear his voice for a while. And then I hear his voice again. But when I first started watching, I was like, he's struggling a little bit. Like, I get how you want to bring him in. He's a Ring of Honor. He's a legend in the independent wrestling scene. He's yes, done yes. a lot of good work in other different forms of wrestling. Um, but he has grown on me so much. And like, maybe he just had a couple bad nights when I first started listening to it, where I was like, uh, does he know the GCW product where, when I went back and continued my watch along and watching all these GCW shows, I went back and I was like, oh yeah, he was on shows way before I was even there. And mm -hmm. but his improvement were maybe like, at first, like I said, I was kind of sour on him, but uh, especially the Hammerstein with him, Lenny Leonard, KG, all those people like they all killed it, and Dave Prezak adds so much to it. I I, yeah. I just love seeing the rotation to a certain degree on the commentary on Fight TV, but I just really wish that on in-ring announcing, announcing the wrestlers to the ring, I always want MLJ. There's no if, ands, or but. I don't think I've seen anyone you could change my mind that is the voice of GCW for the fans in attendance as much as MLJ. Whereas I could say the opposite for KG, where for the fans at home watching on Fight T TV, 
KG is the voice of GCW for us at home. So I just really would like to see them continue on uh, rotating Nick Gage in for death matches or rotating an MLJ in for these Lucha matches. I just like would like to see the constant rotation of all these matches. And going back to this match of uh, Speedball and Jack Cartwheel, another quick little, not side bit, but with Speedball, I like seeing him enjoy himself like he did against Axton mm-hmm. Ray and he just enjoyed the moment. Hey, let's have fun with this. And then mm-hmm. when the match actually kicks into that gear, he changes the gear too. And same thing with this match. He had fun with Jack at the beginning with the cartwheels, with the ref, with the fans. But once that match gets going, speedball is 110%. Boom, 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 nonstop. And like that's where his nickname becomes apropos is speedball speedball he's just always constantly moving and that's this is one of these matches where like he got to show more of his having fun side and i always just go back to the suzuki match where he had against at the same venue back or back to bay one i think or back in the bay i forgot whatever their first show in san francisco was speedball versus suzuki and Mm -hmm. seeing speedball's reaction during the intros as mlj is announcing Minoru Suzuki, you just see Speedball going up to Suzuki's face and you see the seriousness of him. It's like, oh yeah, I don't want you to take it easy on me. Bring it. We're going to do this? Are we really going to do this? Let's do it. Like yep. He's like kind of like getting off on it. He's like, this is what I want. This is I want the Suzuki. I don't want the comedy stuff. I want the Suzuki that's stiff, the murder grandpa. I want him to beat me up. So I love seeing that in Suzuki, but I also love, or sorry, Bailey, but I also love seeing him enjoy the moment and Jack Cartwheel's match or his match against Axon Ray. Like I love seeing the versatility of Mike Bailey, but also when it's time to get serious, he makes it serious. Um, so going back to this match, Mike Bailey, <laughs> speedball Mike Bailey. I know I'm going off on all these matches. I'll be, oh, it's good, brother. We cover We're the matches talking. and I go 180 degrees the other way. But oh, this, that's what this, makes it fun. Yeah, this was a fun match. And like I said, this was actually better than I anticipated because Jack Cartwheel has improved tremendously since his time going Mm -hmm. to AAA, going all over the country, going overseas, going down to Mexico and working more of those Lucha Libre shows. I love seeing Jack Cartwheel kind of, this is what we could kind of see his improvement if he decides to devote his entire time into pro wrestling where now I think he's still kind of doing the college football stuff. So that takes a lot of time away from him wrestling. But I think over these last few months, we've seen if Jack Hartwell dedicates himself to wrestling at his full-time job or whatever, I think you, we could kind of see the growth that Jack, Jack Hartwell will continue to go and he's going to be a star somewhere. And I think this was a nice, good match for him to kind of showcase how much he's grown going against a speedball, Mike Bailey. But I still forgot the ending. Still, again, Mike Bailey. <laughs> Mike Bailey. That's great, man. Does get the victory as he hits the flamingo driver and on Jack Cartwheel for the victory. For our eighth match of the night, the semi-main event, we have Nick Fucking Wayne going against Kevin Blackwood. And I was interested to see how the difference in styles would uh, match up here in this match. Uh, Nick Wayne being the more high flyer with Kevin Blackwood being the more ground game and striker. I was kind of interested to see who was going to showcase whose move set the most and who was going to kind of take the fight to their kind of style of match. Um, and they told like a pretty good story during this match to kind of show the struggle of each wrestler trying to get 
to their exact pace that they want for the match. What was your opinion on this match, John? Um, well, I thought it was, I, I'll just mention right off the bat because I think it was before the match even started. They were saying that Brian Alvarez and Darby Allen were trained by Buddy Wayne, Nick's dad. So I don't know, you know, if that was just joking or not, but I know Darby, Darby Allen for sure was trained. Yep. Brian Alvarez, you never know. Maybe, maybe not. Same um, thing. I thought, I thought for sure Darby Allen yeah. was too when they heard, I'll be honest with you. I didn't even know Brian Alvarez was a wrestler. I always, I just known him as yeah, a yeah. wrestler, like wrestling news journalist. I never even knew his wrestler. Yeah. Back in the day, if you go find some old stuff, you'll find some pictures that look almost unlike him. So what, com- what company? So I can look it up. Oh my gosh. Good, good luck. No, he he did some independent spots and whatnot. So, I mean, that's how it's going to be. If I mention one, you might find a couple there. If I mention somewhere else, I believe you might, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah. Just, just look him up and just put in a couple years early. Oh, three, I think maybe Oh four. I'm just guessing. Don't call me as, but yeah, he had a career and he was doing that for a while. And, and I, I'm really happy he switched over, honestly, not for any wrestling reason, but because he's so damn good at what he does on the mic. Yeah. So I love his, um, yeah, it seems like he tries to have at least an angle on, on, uh, on looking at things that's sometimes a little different than others. And that's appreciated. It's really hard to listen to one person or two people who have the same opinion that some other one or two will and vice, you know, so on and so forth. It's where you have a hundred people that are saying the same damn thing every week. You know, that would kind of stink. Um, No one really dominated the match fully. This was truly a back and forth. It was very fast pace. There was a point where, and I think this was real, Blackwood's leg was really bothering him. It really was a situation where I thought it was a story, but then there was a point where he was having a hard time picking up Wayne, and he dropped him onto the cement floor, and that's when I knew it wasn't wasn't a joke. So I think that maybe they dialed him back a little bit in this match. I'm not 100% sure. I'm still not 100% if it was really a work or not. They had a good match. But I mean, that's all I really have to say about it was that, you know, his his leg was bothering him a little. It was an even match. It was a 10 minute setup right before the main event, man. Yeah, I like I said, going back to the struggle, as you said, this was a back and forth. I I enjoyed this is very rare too. I well, I enjoy the struggle during matches, like when they go back and forth. It's kind of like a counter fest where, hey, like. Going back to the Alex Zane, Titus Alexander at the last LA show, I love seeing the struggle for the taco driver. I love seeing that little bit of storytelling. Oh, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. Matches. And this match was one of those ones where I loved like seeing, hey, Nick Wayne's trying to get that high-paced, fast-style match going, but Kevin Blackwood uses his striking. He's like, no, we ain't having this match, Nick. I'm in control. I'm the more veteran than you are. I'm going to control this match. And then Nick, I, I just love seeing the struggle. And um, as you said, yeah, Kevin Blackwood kind of looked like uh, he hurt his leg in this match. It was kind of mm-hmm. funny seeing uh, Nick Wayne's back too. I don't know if you remember, cause this was a couple weeks ago. So now that was since uh, we're recording, but uh, Nick Wayne and Kevin Blackwood's back was like full of those uh, suction cup marks. Oh, the cupping. Yeah. yeah and uh, I believe I, I, I don't want to mess up his name. I believe his Harvey 
Harviv Singh. He I've seen him at multiple GCW LA shows and Vegas shows. He is not, I don't want to say he's a GCW trainer, but I know when they're on mm-hmm. the West Coast, he will go down to the shows. And I've seen him give treatment to wrestlers uh before the match and after the match of kind of helping them recover. And he made a tweet uh before this match, before this event started. He's like, I can't wait to see you what you all think of Nick Wayne's alien looking back tonight. And I was like, What is he talking yeah. about? And I was like, he must be talking about the cupping. And then I saw it, I'm like, wow, it's on all over him and Kevin Blackwood. So I was just like, cool little call back on to a tweet I saw and give him a little shout out. We've been giving shout outs to referees and ring announcers tonight. Let's yeah. give him a little shout out to a trainer who's helping keeping these GCW wrestlers, uh, their bodies ready and uh, recovering at a faster rate to perform at the crazy GCW hectic schedule. But overall, yeah, man. I like I liked this match. I like the struggle. Like I said, I don't often say that about a whole match. But this match, I did kind of enjoy seeing the struggle of who's going to have the dominant performance in the style of wrestling that they prefer. Yeah, um, there was something here that I wanted to kind of say about Nick Wayne, and I wrote it out. I just felt it was a good thing to say. I think it's something that uh, a lot of people may just want to hear just to get a different idea on how on how Nick Wayne uh, may we may see him in his future. <clears throat> so I just wanted to kind of read this and then we can go over it from there. But I put that some young performers lean on their youth as a way to get over with the fans or they use their smaller size to get over with the fans. It's very normal for everyone to get behind the next prodigy who has a bright future ahead or the kid who can barely touch the top rope but can kick ass. It's great babyface stuff. It's, it's easy babyface stuff. However, everyone grows up and you wonder how that performer can find his identity outside of relying on being the youth underdog or the little guy. I don't believe Nick Wayne will have an issue finding himself past these times. I believe he's going to be already who he is. Uh, his personality or his persona is too strong to be just a character. If you try to put that guy under a mask, it's not going to work. You're actually going to strip him down and you're going to pull away uh, whoever it is that he needs to be to be a star. Uh, He won't need all of that dressing. He'll just need to turn up his volume to 11. I believe he's a future champion. He can be a champion wherever he goes. I can see where an extensive uh, Japan run in him, uh, if he's allowed, could be very uh, beneficial for him in the long run. I think that in the you know 20 years from now, there's going to be heavy bids for his services. He uh, he should have a huge baby face run at some point in AEW. And I think that only he can actually ruin his chances going forward. I, I think just he's just he's got the total package there. Thank goodness. I believe, you know, he's doing this also for for the recognition of his family. You know, God bless him for that. I think that's wonderful. But overall, at the end of this thing, the only thing I really wanted to make sure I ended with, and I believe this 100%, is that Nick Wayne is a star. Yeah, going off how you said, like, I think he is in control of his own destiny, as you say. Yes. Um, Other than, I don't even want to say it out there, but maybe uh, situations out of his control, uh, a la Starboy Charlie. But um, I agree with everything you just said there. Going back to where I was just talking about Jack Cartwheel, Alex Zane, I think an excursion once he like graduates high school, like, hey, that's awesome, too. He's like he's got the parents or whoever. Like, I know he's got his mom with him and whoever else. His support system is mm-hmm. 
saying, hey, get your degree first. And it's so cool. Like Tony Khan of AEW is willing to acknowledge that as well. Like, hey, wrestling will be here. AEW will be here. Go get your degree. Go get something. So that way as a uh, kind of as a comfort, like not a, ah, I forgot to say it. Like a fallback, right? Yes, exactly. Like a fallback, like a security blanket where, hey, let's just mm-hmm. say something does happen with AEW or your wrestling career or some God forbid injury or something like that derails your projection of being the next wrestling star. You will have that high school or college or whatever to fall back on. So I think it's very awesome seeing wrestling promoters kind of sacrifice, even though like AW and GCW, like I think they would be just fine without Nick Wayne and just in general, they would be not saying like, Hey, Nick Wayne can't provide something better and, more important in wrestling. I just think like it's wrestling. It's a sport. Like there's other things to do that you could make an impact in the world and having that like kind of safety net of the high school degree, the college degree to fall back on is so important. And I think that's where a lot of younger age wrestlers maybe kind of forget. I know I go to my son's wrestling school and he's like only 10, but there's like 14, 15, 16 year olds there. Mm -hmm. And like, I think maybe there's like one or two where I was like, wow, I'm impressed. We've kind of seen one in young Bodie in one of them, but yeah, going back to like all that stuff, I'll kind of get back to that in a moment, but like seeing the, seeing the young kids, like at my son's wrestling school, like they think at that young age, we're all young and kind of, clueless of what the real world has in store for us and they think oh i love wrestling i'm doing wrestling now oh i'm one of the better kids in my class i got a future in this business you damn well might have but it is the business what are you going to do the first three four five years when you're working on the independence trying to make a name for yourself you might get that 20 bucks and a handshake offer from all these other promotions you will have to build your way up to it and i think that's where like a lot of these young wrestlers at that age, they have a long-term vision, but they hit the hardships of what really happens early in a wrestler's career that maybe a Nick Wayne has not had to have suffered, but he has realized like, Hey, I got my fallback. And I just wish that whatever he learned for that would be taught to more younger, uh, aspiring wrestlers in these wrestling schools, these teenagers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just in, not even just wrestlers, but just in sports in general. Like, you know how many people want to be a pro wrestler, pro basketball player, pro baseball player? Yeah. Do you know how many people actually make it? Like, give Absolutely. them the realistic. Yes, give them the realistic goal of hey, are you in the point one percent? to make an impact in this business and to make a living off of it. Cause if not, you need a fallback. And so I just kind of love how Brett's giving Nick the opportunity to build and get better on the independent scene and make a bigger name for himself. So that way, when it is time to show what he can do in AEW, he's going to have all this experience, all this in-ring experience and talent and good support system. And with Tony mm-hmm. Khan, like I said, being appreciate like understanding of, Hey, I, I, we're good. I don't need you right now. Go get better on the independence. Keep working your GCW shows, be safe, but keep working your GCW shows, go to high school, get all the ex- experiences that everyone experiences in high school. And when you're ready in AEW, you will be more fully formed, which will make you more TV ready, which means I won't have to spend another five years developing you on AEW Dark or Elevation. I will have something for you if you keep improving and you keep showing that this is what you want. 
I just love like how he has the world <laughs> at his hands right now. Yeah, he has yeah. his choice. And like you said, it's up to him of what he wants to do in this business in another business in his life. I just love how he can enjoy his teenage years and earn all this experience on the Indies while also having the carrot of going to AEW and becoming a future star. And if something were to happen, he has a fallback of a high school and maybe a college degree or something like that. I just love seeing the real, the realistic expectations given to Nick Wayne and him not getting this big head of, Hey, I got the whole world. I'm, I'm care. I, I could live carefree. I know what I got. I got an AEW contract and rest on his laurels where he's like, Nope, I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to improve myself in high school. I'm going to get all those experiences. I'm going to work at GCW, get all those wrestling experiences. So that way when I'm 18, it's going to be undeniable for Tony Khan to not put me on the show as I am right here ready for it. Yeah. So here's the next one. Then uh, Nick is really a baby face. We know that. What would a heel Nick Wayne look like? Now I'm going to post this question to you just right off the bat. Um, what do you think at what age would be a good age to make him a heel? Would he be stable worthy? Would he be an aloner? Would he be a, a loner like a Randy Orton style? Would you see him as a rocker like a, with Jordan Oliver rocker style? I mean, um, I wh- what the hell? Because he he's he's he, uh, he's just such a natural baby face that the only reason he would catch heat would be the fact that he, people would feel um, uh, backstabbed by I, the fact that he how dare he be be bad. That's why I go like to Titus like kind of Titus Alexander's like you could build. I think they need to just roll until the crowd turns on him because that's going to happen. It happens to every wrestler, whether you're a heel or a face. Like you're going to have the crowd behind you, but then they'll get to a point where like, really Nick Wayne again. Oh, he lost again. Or, Oh, he won again. Like oh, they are going to get Hogan. tired of him. Exactly. I would ride it until the wheels fall off. So you start to see the crowd turn on him, and then maybe throw in like not an injury, but like a, hey, he takes a little hiatus. He makes a surprise return and attacks one of the up and the new up and coming baby faces that could possibly be where he was before he took his hiatus. And I think that turn would make him instantly elevated as a heel to where he was before, but even higher as a heel because, Hey, wait, you're supposed to be our lovable guy that we loved you for the majority of fans. Well, you know, the, the quiet vocal, not the quiet, sometimes the loud, minority of fans they end up Mm -hmm. taking over and kind of controlling some of these decisions unfortunately but i just believe in the slow burn especially at his age it's going to be a long time before they start to boo him but i think and i hope that way he if he continues his ascension up the ladder i think he stays as a baby face hopefully and then maybe he gets to that point where like hey like we see in WWE Roman Reigns how long was he booed for John Cena the biggest faces yeah. yeah 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 then okay dude we've had enough of you let's see something else i think that's where it would be the good time to turn him and i think at such a young age too like it doesn't have to be 10 years down the road it could be 5 years i just think where right now they could do that same situation with Titus and Nick but mm-hmm. then once Nick has been in the game long enough and has shown that he has that in him and the fans maybe start to show that we're tired of him, I think that's when you could reverse the roles and have Nick Wayne become a major heel and 
I don't, I, that's just my, that's how I would book it. If I were, I would not force, I would not make him heal just to be healed. I just think you ride everything out organically. And as you kind of see the two or three crowds, two, three shows in a row, like they're starting to sour on him. Maybe that's when you could start to pull the trigger. You know, I was thinking about this. I would almost wonder if him being flipped as a heel would be considered a mistake in the long run. You know, I'm, I'm just wondering, I mean, I, what I'm saying here is who who do you want to who do you want him to fuck over? Let's talk about that in GCW. I mean, let's just assume there's some storylines or something here, but who do you want to see him fuck over and who do you want to see kick his ass? We have an easy one. Go for it, brother. Jordan. Okay. Jordan uh, yeah. Jordan's been on a roll. He's finally getting the fans behind him. Mm-hmm. Where um I think him teaming with Nick maybe start having Jordan get all the wins while Nick does all the work or does the final work to take him out. But I I do not want to see, it's not just personally, I just, I don't think anywhere in the next, was he 16? He's 17 now. I don't think anywhere in the next four, five years. I know it's Mm -hmm. long term booking and you can't book that far, especially in GCW or independent wrestling or in wrestling at all. But I just think that that would be the perfect spot for GCW to do it. But I'm also kind of afraid, and it depends on who he turns on, how the crowd would react to the turn. Because as we I've seen with Jordan in the past, like I said, he came in GCW, had the instant heat. He had to go through hell and fire and Joey Janela and Nick Gage and mm-hmm. all these other wrestlers kind of showing him like, hey, you don't belong here. Get out of us. Get out of our area. But I think he's shown such a perseverance and he has grown as a performer. And those performances made him so much better where he is now become finally undeniable where as a face. But as they kind of turned him face a little bit early, uh, he had that no rope barbed wire match against a certain competitor. And I think as it got closer to that time, and this just kind of goes off location too, where I always saw the New Jersey, the Atlantic city crowd just shitting on Jordan while rooting on who they were building to be the next heel. They kind of had the stone cold effect where, Hey, we want him to be here, yeah. but he's doing such a good job as a heel while the face that he's going against isn't quite up to par at, at that time. The face that we mm-hmm. want him to be, it made it very kind of easy for the fans to, Hey, make your own decision where I, if they ever decide to turn Nick, where I hope they find a face who is truly a face like a, another person, Starboy Charlie, very easy to yeah. reform. Very. I don't see anybody booing him, but where if they were ever to do a turn. And like I said, this is years down the road. I, it has yeah. to be someone who's established for sure as a baby face and not someone that depends on where you're at as a baby face or gets the booze. And for him it to would, get the full effect, I think it would need to be a full on. The crowd loves this baby face. Like a Nick Gage even might even surprisingly like not to lead to a death match or whatever, but a turn of that kind of way. I needs to be for Nick Wayne to be a successful heel that stays a heel, not one of those tweeners that, hey, he's a heel, but he's a bad guy, but we love him. For him to be on like, hey, flip him off in the crowd, follow him around like Tony Depp in, I think they just need to find a good face to do it. Well, right now, it would seem to be Jordan, but I do not think they should turn Nick Wayne right now. No, yeah, absolutely not right now. I think this is a situation where, first of all, if that happens, it would be monumental because 
there's never been anything more than face Wayne. Yep. And um, I really do feel that it would have to be the absolute biggest face we have. I don't even care if we'd have to bring in someone, but I mean, it would be someone we absolutely love. The only way I could see a heel stable, it would be a soft heel stable where we're talking uh, Wayne and several other kids under the age of 25. They, you know what? There's a lot of guys coming in, grabbing paychecks. You know, this is a storyline we've damn near heard before, but really embrace it. Every time someone, you know, Pac comes in, you know what? Super kick that son of a bitch, you know, then let's just say someone else comes in. I mean, I'm just saying on the, you know, Nash, Kevin Nash, super kick that son of a bitch. And it gets to a point to where anytime someone tries to come in, the young kids pop out and go, you know what? This is our GCW. We've cut our teeth here. We're getting sick of it. We are the future. We're going to push these guys, you know, so on and so forth. I just think it's an idea to a point to where maybe, you know, they're collecting booze to where they're not thankful like the fans are that these people from, you know, 5, 10, 20 years ago have come over. I think another easy way, too, is wait till he goes to AEW. Let him go on AEW for a while. Then if AEW, since they seem to have a pretty good working relationship with GCW, and we could, we'll go over that next episode. But it seems mm-hmm. like they got a pretty good relationship of bringing in talent like Blake Christians on AEW Dark. I have seen Tony Deppin on the Ring of Honor shows. I've seen Matthew Justice on AEW Dark. Um, I think yeah. with that relationship, maybe let him go AEW. Stay, get away from the GCW crowd forever, or not forever, for a while, and then make a big deal of his return. Hey, here's Nick Wayne. Here's Nick Wayne. He comes out, cuts one of these baby faces uh, interviews, and then later on in the night, maybe have him come out and surprise attack at that time. One of the top faces of GCW saying, you wouldn't be here because of me. If, like, if it wasn't me here working my ass off at 16, 17, 18, the only reason you got this spot is because I left. And then now you're trying to take over my spot where now I'm back. And that would be another kind of easy way, I think, to turn him into one of those next kind of mega okay. heels. Yeah. Okay. So, so what I was thinking on that end was if uh, he were to go ahead and, and jump into developmental here once he hits 18 to do a heel turn, which may be one of the few things that may happen with him before he pops off big time. I would like to see him possibly come back as the cocky guy who now has got money and notoriety. He don't know why the fuck he's down here right now. He has an obligation to come down here. Otherwise he wouldn't. I think something like that maybe would be, I mean, the only other thing I I think uh, would be an instant move might be, uh, when him and Jordan do the Motor City Machine Guns match, they go through it. They have a knockdown drag out. They go ahead. They do the raising of the arms and it ends. And then you're looking at double super kicks. Pop, pop. Motor City Machine Guns out like a light in Detroit. Fucking double fingers. Throw it up. I don't know what happens from there. But I thought those those would be things that at least for a small amount of time would work. But yeah, he's only a temporary baby face. That'll never be a permanent turn. So you're saying like him and Jordan both turn? absolutely i don't i'm hate telling it. you man i'm i see him as rockers i don't hate i honestly see him as rockers because right now in the gcw tag scene mm-hmm. go ahead kind of all faces you got los Masisas, exactly you got bussy you have sgc you have right now starboy and janela you have faces the only heel tag team i could think of right now is the south pacific savages so yeah Masisos is as close as you can get you know outside of the south pacific you know 
Yeah, and that's where they. I think they could go back and forth, and they could be fluid. They, walk the line. they yeah. can see, like, depending on who their opponent is, they'll they'll adapt to it. Because, like, even during that match with Jordan and Nick Wayne, I thought they would be more the heelish. But mm-hmm. the crowd, like, it's it depends on the crowd too, I believe, because like that crowd, like, you ain't got. <laughs> didn't matter what the Los the Los Pacisos could have shook Jordan and Nick Wayne's hand at the end of that awesome tag match, and just beat the shit out of them and put them through doors. I promise you that LA crowd would have popped, would have been happy. They would have mm-hmm. been excited because they got to see Los Pacisos, the deathmatch people, beat up two wrestlers that are not deathmatch people in LA who the fans yeah. have been dying to see deathmatch stuff. Like, I think it all, like, there's a lot of different factors, obviously, I think, but I don't want to see it happen for a while. I don't think we need to see it happen for a while. Nope. I nope. don't like forced changes just to change it. Like, they're getting cheered like nonstop. I hate when other wrestling companies like, oh, he's getting so over. Let's just kind of stop it and now turn him into Omega heel and it fails. Well, Wayne and Oliver would take a build of three, four years of FaceTime. Yeah. And then and then it would have to pop. Hell, they even may do a, a rockers finale kind of thing where somebody gets put through a window and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it would have to be something huge. It's It's definitely not now, but, you know. Oh, with the finish, we didn't even talk about the finish of this match. <laughs> it was very, uh, it was very um, team-like. Yeah, very. you know. So basically, basically, the winner came out with Nick Wayne here. He hit a clout cutter, just like Jordan on Kevin Blackwood. So this is a quick ten-minute. Again, this was just the setup before the main event. So uh, yeah, is there anything else you can really say about this one? Because I, you know, I, I think we covered a decent bit. Anything else? Just to give huh? some love uh, back to Kevin Blackwood. Um, I'm so sorry, Kevin. We didn't cover it this time. We'll get you next time, brother. Yeah, it seems like the show. Like we talked about the match and we went off to one wrestler. It's all right, though. It's like I said, it's all love. We got plenty of shows to cover, plenty of uh, wrestling and talent to cover. But just to kind of give some more love to Blackwood, this was kind of another like seemed to be showcase weekend. He main evented LA, semi main evented Mm -hmm. San Francisco. I thought this was another cool little display, kind of like Starboy Charlie, where uh kevin blackwood now is in la i believe that's where he lives now after moving over from buffalo um it was kind of nice seeing him getting the rub and getting the co-main events and the main event on these two shows as i think he's he's talented he's good i just think there's another level in him i would like to see especially as like we go back to kind of heal his striking and technical ability i think lends himself more as a heel than it does a face his move set and move style in my opinion it just becomes more easier to root against somebody who's kind of holding the high flyers down a la Tony Deppin or using the strikes as a Masha Slamovich and stuff like that. I just think uh, there's a lot of wrestlers, a lot of these young wrestlers on the GCW rosters. I would like to see Mm -hmm. just uh, take, have them take that next step up. And I think once all these young wrestlers do that, especially with the timing nowadays with homecoming coming up, I think, I think we have a, shift in the gcw landscape i just don't know how major it would be it is a shift i would kind of was hoping for earlier this year when they did the hammerstein show i was kind of hoping we see a not a new gcw or a new version of gcw i was just kind of hoping we'd see the next evolution of gcw as mm-hmm. they, as kind of like nick wayne we haven't really seen him since hammerstein uh same with Tremont. we've seen him a couple times i know he's coming up again in um homecoming going against john wayne murdoch i believe i just love matt tremont i yes. have to just say it dude no love I... matt we, we don't have a long time we don't talk about 
some of these guys because they're in and out too often. I just wanted to say love Matt Tremont. And he hasn't been on any of these shows since uh, me and you have both covered it. So I just think there's GCW. I think they're at a time now where they still have some giant names that have a lot of miles on them. And they don't need to necessarily be in the main events. They don't necessarily need to be the marquee. I'm wrestling John Moxie for the title. I think you could put them off on their own as a special attraction where they don't need to interrupt the belts and the tag scenes or the title scenes, especially if they're not going to be full-time performers. But I would lo- I know the fans would love, hey, every once in a while, here's a Tremont match. Here's a Nick Gage match. I just think with the young, as we always are talking every single show, there's a new young talent. Like they got so much stuff. Cole Radrick, we will go over this more the next show, being one of these people. I think they just need to kind of give who they think they could trust to lead the next generation GCW and continue the growth and the world takeover that they have in their mind. And they're going all over the worlds. They're coming up with England, Japan, um, Mexico. They got coming up here in these next couple months. I would just really like to see a refresh GCW with the younger talent and kind of expanding on what they have now instead of sitting there displaying them and kind of showing off, hey, this is what we have. I would like to see those people take over the Matt Tremonts, the Nick Gages, the, I hate to say Alex Colones because he still could go, but the older people that have been at GCW who don't wrestle as much, I would like to see these new young talent get the star treatment and then they use those stars as Nick Gage, Shima, as a more special attraction where people will still go out of their way to go see Nick Gage. He doesn't need to be in the title match. They're still going to go see Nick Gage. It doesn't matter who he's wrestling. So I, it yeah. still gives the talent that's young and performing every week for them. It still gives them the opportunity to improve and showcase why they've been constantly on GCW programming, except now in an elevated status. That's just my opinion as a growth for the company that I think is now eight months behind. I think we're starting to see from the LA show, from this show, and from the next show we cover, um, kind of what GCW is kind of heading toward in the, in the very close future. And in the main events of the evening, back to the Bay in San Francisco, we have a tag team match of Los Macisos, Ciclope, and Medio Extremo going against the team of the South Pacific Savages in Jacob Fatu and Juicy Finale. And going into this match, I was excited. I am a huge Los Macisos fan. Like, I know a lot of people when Brett tweeted out, hey, we have a major announcement tonight. And then that Matt announcement was Los Macisos. I saw a lot of the comments there. They were kind of disappointed. It wasn't something major. It wasn't a bigger name. But me being a GCW fan recently within the last year, but going back and watching all of their shows like three different times. I've watched every single GCW show. I was excited for Los Macisos because I saw what they did at Hal. I saw mm-hmm. what they were building Los Macisos up to be. Unfortunately, the whole pandemic and everything took that away from us fans. But since Los Macisos have been back, they have not missed. Crazy matches with SGC. Crazy matches with Bussy. Uh, uh, Bussy, sorry. Crazy matches with Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne. I They have not missed since they've been back, even on these trios matches teaming with jimmy lloyd i love seeing jimmy lloyd teaming with them because uh on another promotion on vxs we've talked about vxs 
uh, Ciclope and Jimmy Lloyd had an awesome, crazy death match. And Jake, uh, Jimmy Lloyd just kind of said, Hey, I love you. We're family. We've been through four years of not seeing each other, three years, not seeing each other and seeing how happy seeing, uh, Jimmy Lloyd is having Ciclope back just made it even that more special to me having Los Macisos back yeah. because I'm a huge fan of them. And so seeing them going against, as we've been kind of begging for some spoilers, um, some people that are just bad ass heels that just ruin all the fun from us fans and the South Pacific savages and Jacob Batu and juicy for now. I was lo really looking forward to seeing what kind of brawl and mayhem this match would be. And in my opinion, it did not disappoint. Um, it was a little different kind of seeing after the match or after uh Starboy Charlie's match, seeing them interfere with them. I was kind of having a feeling how this match would end up being, but before I even got to that ending, the match was phenomenal. What was your opinion of this match? Well, I uh I think it went outside quickly, turned into a street fight right off the bat. You see fans moving everywhere a lot. <laughs> I mean, constantly. This was that this was one of those matches where everybody was getting a front row seat. You had uh, Fatsu with a double jump top rope plancha onto all three of the wrestlers. That happened about mid-match. Um, Juicy was being an immovable force. I, uh, I liked how the Savages, they're booked as very scary. There was a part where they were both walking across the ring at Miero. And it was really exciting to see something like that. So... Uh, the reason why it was exciting to me was because the last couple episodes we've been talking about, there were some things that we were missing in GCW that I would like to see that also, you know, our host would like to see here. And that would have to do with number one, having a good heel. I thought that it would be really nice if we had a good heel in GCW. I thought it would be beneficial for them to be a spoiler type of heel and I thought that Titus Alexander would be that style of a heel, almost a punchable face kind of heel. Uh, Brett the Threat down the road, if anybody knows who he is, give him a couple more years. He's punchable now. That Double dude really God. has something. Um, uh, no, no shit. Give him very little time. But if you give him, uh, I mean, he's damn near GCW ready in the next six months or a year just so he's polished for them. But, uh, oh, my gosh, how how unlovable would he be? <laughs> but so so then we moved on a little further and we have yet to talk about this on air. But I think one of the things that we I, maybe we haven't talked about on air, but the one thing that we also need in JCW would be a Haas. And I have been really pushing all over the place, including online and into DMs about trying to get Crash Jackson over because he's one of the ones that I have seen. Um, in multiple occasions, and he's just been impressive from front to back. I think he has a good look for his size and his height. He would fit well with the GCW wrestlers, and I also believe for his size, he uh, he can move. I've seen him do things over the top rope. I've seen him do things off of the top rope. I've seen some uh, flippy-type moves out of him. Um, so that's one of the ones where I was looking at him and we talked about Big Vin, I think, at one time. I think he's damn deserving of a spot if we needed a Haas. But the reason why this was brought up was because the Savages are exactly the group I was talking about a couple weeks ago that we needed in this company. And they check off absolutely every one of these um, these qualifications there. Uh, we have Haas's truly. Ha I mean, 
juicy. You can't get much larger of a hoss out there on the independent scene right now that can move as well as he can. We have a couple hosses, but can move like him. Then uh, we have them as heels. They're booked as heels. And then here came Fatu as our spoiler. So, I mean, we, we really have the entire package that just is our opinions or mine or whomever. Uh, we really do feel that this is what uh, GCW needed. And it just so happened they fit that entire profile completely. And what a uh, just what a what a what a move to be able to get all three of those in one team. Yes. Going off like how you said, um, we need the mega heels. Without a heel out there that's like a mega heel, you're not going to get the faces to be as lovable and have the crowd support behind them when they don't have that heel to play off of. Yes, mm -hmm. it's awesome seeing Gringo Loco going against a commander, but ultimately it's just a good match. It doesn't lead to a really good storyline. It doesn't really lead to anything with a bigger payoff in the future unless one of those turn heel and going off of like how we've been saying um these last couple episodes as well as you specifically have been saying that gcw needs that asshole heel they need the yes. spoiler yeah. they need and you've been saying hosses you have been absolutely the biggest crash jackson supporter uh not crash jackson <laughs> crash uh Oh no, Crash Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Jackson, yeah. Yeah, dude. Okay. So yeah, you've been one of his biggest fans. And like as you said, this hit all three of the points that we've been discussing over these last couple months. And you were spot on with this, where when we were talking about spoilers, we've been mentioning names of Titus Alexander, Charles Mason. Yes. Maybe Tony Deppin, but he's still kind of too lovable from the GCW lifelong fan or not lifelong, but you know what I'm saying? The G day one fans, the hardcore GCW fans. Oh yeah. It's, you're yeah. not going to hate Tony Deppin. It doesn't matter what he does. You're not going to hate him. We're going to root for him against John Moxie. No matter if he's the biggest heel in that match, we're still going to root for him. I think this combination and you called it episodes ago was the perfect spot for them to introduce the South Pacific Savages as beating up and spoiling Charlie, uh, Starboy Charlie's kind of maybe outcoming party of being the Star Man Charlie. He's mm -hmm. done that, they've done that on multiple occasions. I think those mixtures of the big hosses and the intimidating factors that Juicy brings as the big guy. Yes, we've always seen Juicy. I've seen him all the time. I was a fan with him since day one. I saw him. Like, look at this giant guy. He's just a giant teddy bear enjoying wrestling and having fun. <laughs> and now it's like, fuck you, Juicy. You are an asshole. You and Jacob have got to stop ruining the feel-good moments in GCW and leave our fan favorites alone in Starboy Charlie. And in this match, Los Macisos, as you said, they both kind of walked towards um, Ciclope. No, no, uh, Medio. And Medio's like, oh, shit, I got no backup. I got to go against these two hosses, as you say. And I think that watching this match, I literally thought of you of like, this is what we've been talking about. Now, yeah, I think yeah. it's even better because they are hosses. And I never really cared about the size of the wrestlers, in my opinion, of like, hey, you could be a spoiler. You could be Charles Mason and ruin every single good feeling that Nate Webb puts out or Yoya or mm -hmm. uh, Everett Connors. I think he's coming back, by the way. So uh, let me know. Ooh. Let me know, Everett. Come on. Let me know if you're coming back, which I know you are. But 
those are the kind of those are the people I'm thinking of as spoilers. And as we've seen, we've seen had past GCW performers be spoilers as well as 440 and all that stuff. But ever since as we've kind of discussed, they've been gone. It feels like GCW has been missing something. And I think, as I was kind of saying in the last segment, this match kind of leads us into what GCW has coming for us over these next couple months and with homecoming and who knows what comes up afterwards. I think this is kind of like the, their start of saying, not hitting the reset button, but hitting a refresh button. And Jacob Fatu being as unstable as I think he is and unpredictable. And like, we were just kind of talking about this right, right off air. And I was talking about it last time anyway, on this, on last segment, he is so unpredictable. I've never felt in a ring, the mood change when he shows up, it's, get out of our ring go away from us we don't know what you're going to do you have me you have other fans running around the venue trying to stay safe because Mm -hmm. that's the kind of shit jacob's on and that's what makes him special in my opinion that's something like i've i don't see in any other wrestler right now but other wrestler shows up like oh yeah he's a bad guy just boo him boo but I'm afraid to boo him because I don't know what I'm going to get in return. And we've seen him in the past, not in a GCW ring, but I have seen him in the past. Go after fans <laughs> that absolutely wow. deserve yeah. it. The, the, the fan deserved it, but it doesn't matter if they deserve it or not. We don't see that in wrestling often where Jacob, he don't give a fuck who you are, what you paid for. If you're a fan, if you're a wrestler, you get in his way. He's going to spoil your night. He's going to spoil Starboy Charlie's night. He is going to take over the show and command that respect and attention that he is deserving right now. And with Juicy turning, not turning heel or turning his back against the fans, but showing like, hey, I am this big guy. You guys need to not just love me, but you need to be afraid of me. I can squash you in two seconds. I have just chosen over these last few months and years since I've been in GCW to not do that but jacob has gotten into my head brought the savage out of me as in the south pacific savages and i think those two as a pairing and as the um spoilers as we've been kind of asking for is awesome and i just oh, want I even to see where the they're gonna go from it yes south pacific savages i love it um Man. i've got a couple more points real fast too before i forget because you went on like i went on long street you went on long street but Oh, I didn't um, think about that. Yeah. <laughs> I love but no, that's that's all good. I love it. I took notes. As juicy, I love juicy, like as the face. I like that's how I known him. <laughs> as we see him on other yeah. promotions too. He kind of changes it up, but not really, because where we see him now, he's kind of kind of going with that South Pacific Savages teaming with another um, I believe he's Samoan. If he's not, I do apologize, but I think he's Samoan as uh, Toa Leona in FSW. They, mm, they are, I don't know. They're Toko Uso. So I believe that has something to do with it. I, I could be wrong with the Samoa. If so, I apologize. But I know he's teaming with them and he's showing that GCW, the attitude we see in GCW, we're seeing Juicy doing in other shows. And I just love that. And I love like how like he's kind of still doing his playful stuff where he's like, oh, y'all want to see a 450 splash from this big man? Yeah. Here we go. Here's a 450. And he climbs up on the second rope. And then he's like, here's 450. And he jumps down. He's like, 450 pats his stomach and then just splashes the guy so it's a kind of like a oh, heel. like it. hey we're not going to see a high spot from juicy but him playing up into that 450 i love seeing that um you made a call back to fsw wrestler brett the threat uh kind of like how we how he kind of has that same kind of not the same 
character as like Charles Mason, where Charles Mason just wants to mutilate people and he gets that sick enjoyment. Um, Brett the Threat out here in Vegas, he is still young. I think he's only in his second or third year. I know he like he was like a rookie of the year out here in Vegas, but I used to hate him as a wrestler. And me and him had a lot of back and forth on Twitter for a while where he actually was showed up to one of my son's practices and he saw me and I went to kind of go introduce myself and let him know. He's like, I know who you are. You're that little mark on Twitter that wants to sit there and talk shit about me. I'm like, okay, I got you. Like, I don't like it, but (laughs) if you start doing this, I like it. And he's actually evolved his character to where now he just hates everybody. And I've actually grown to be a big fan of his. So just wanted to give a quick little shout out to Brett the Threat since you mentioned him. And yeah, then, um, just going back to the heels, if you don't have a major heel in your business that is spoiling stuff, you're not going to get the major face, which means you're not going to get the big pops. You're not going to get those big moments. And as we've been saying all along, and I think I was thinking a little differently with you as in spoiler, I was thinking more of the undersized wrestler who just kind of wants to make a name for himself on other people's uh, oh, yeah. credit. I was yeah. thinking that way, but seeing as you talk about hosses and that just commands like, Hey, I'm Jacob Fatu. You don't know what I'm going to do. I'm in charge here. And same with juicy. Like I love seeing the two hosses being the spoilers and you were 100% mm-hmm. correct on that opinion over these last few episodes. And I just want to say, I absolutely agree. Having the South Pacific savages right now as those spoilers ruining Starboy Charlie's moments over and over and over again and having the buildup in the final match to where it kind of all began for Starboy Charlie and the South Pacific Savages. I just love that story storytelling. I, I want to see more of that storytelling and storylines spread out through GCW. It could easily be done. Oh, yeah. And I just want to see more of that spread out. Man, that's that's hard to argue. <laughs> it's really hard to argue um on the lighter side of things i will say the juicy's really a hundred percent one of the nicest guys that yes. i met outside of the rings you know Absolutely. he's got to do his thing um but yeah a hundred percent he spent time talking to my son and that was such a big thing for him and for us as parents um emil there's a part where <laughs> where kg wants to talk about an avalanche so um, Emil says, you can't have an avalanche in Samoa, can you? Avalanches require snow. KG says, what about a beach-style avalanche with sand? Emil says, like a, like a sandstorm? KG says, the sand would have to go up on top of a mountain and then fall down. So I just wanted to mention that real quick because I wanted to let you know that the drugs were sinking in <laughs> throughout, the, throughout the night. And it was just a fun exchange. And of course, I'm just reading it off. But when you hear it directly at the time, it's hilarious. Yeah, and commentary but, uh, that whole weekend was not, colorful. Not silently killed it, but obviously not silently because we could hear it, but they killed it. Like, yeah. Between the bussy comments with HT, uh, HTG, uh, Sean, the hot tub guy, uh, between KG, between Pollo Del Mar, like, they absolutely killed it. Every person on commentary that mm-hmm. weekend, I loved it. And, like, I listened to the commentary, like, Kind of like maybe a little too close and maybe I should as a fan, but I just love hearing, <laughs> like I was saying earlier in this podcast, which is three hours ago, it feels like, but I love hearing KG say, not call out a botch, but explain why the botch happened that related yeah. to the match. I love that. <laughs> I love hearing MLJ's enthusiasm and excitement 
uh, in the ring during the ring announcing and on commentary and his knowledge, as you were saying earlier during the, the Lucha match, I just love, he just spits out knowledge all the time. And Lars Fredrickson came in. He kind of did an awesome guest commentary spot, um, doing commentary. I just, commentary killed it this weekend and they added a lot more value to the show than i think that they get credit for i know they get a lot of heat kg gets a lot of heat for cussing all the time mlj gets a lot of heat for being a super fan i i just i think it's unnecessary heat and hate that they get where i believe it just adds on and makes the show that much better yeah you know how it is us fans are fickle yeah it's true i have my i have my strong opinions too yes um for for me if Prezak continues, I think uh, Prezak will be like, oh, you know what? Prezak would be a Vince Scully. He has a nice, calm, easy voice. He's a play-by-play kind of guy. And you know what? I would not mind hearing him for the next 20 years as my voice of wrestling. Yeah. Not at all. In my opinion, I think he does better with the wrestlers, especially on the independent scene that maybe no one's ever heard of, but he has because he's got his hands all over the independent. Like maybe not a lot of people know it and stuff, but he has his hands all over the independent scene. And I think he does better with people that he is more familiar with than Mm -hmm. maybe these newer star wrestlers. But I think that's where you could sub in MLJ, who knows about Commander. Or sub in a Pollo Del Mar who knows probably more about Midas Creed than a Dave Prezak would because she's seen uh, Midas Creed all over the West Coast killing it. I just like, I love, like going back to earlier, the commentary, switching them in and out and mm-hmm. play, playing to their strengths is something I that GCW does. And I love it. Like I kind of actually kind of get disappointed when KG gets off, depending on who comes in and what the match is. Because I love just hearing KG nonstop like i i always go back to like i think it was like blake christian um speedball match where they did some crazy spot after like 50 crazy spots at la and i just remember hearing kg on the background go wow and then like you just hear him fall out of the chairs feels like oh yeah it's kind of like the what sounds so loud and it fades off and like i just love the enthusiasm and the realism the kg adds i i would like to see him all the time on commentary but like i said dave praise that grew on me and his knowledge of like the slim J's. I, th- I think some, no, he wasn't on this card. He was on another card on the next card, but sl- seeing these wrestlers that maybe I've never heard of before on the independent wrestling scene that now I do know a lot more about it because of Dave Prezak, because he's so hand was hands on during that time of his announcing career where he knows that stuff, where I think with some of these newer wrestlers that he's never heard of before, he could kind of not, fake his way through it but carry his way through it with his experience where you don't even know he didn't know mm-hmm. about that wrestler but i think that's where other talent could come in on commentary as an mlj as a nick gage or stuff like that to enhance the product well you know when you look at these wrestling matches i'm i'm gonna kind of give this a little weird way to put it but these wrestling matches are kind of like meals so when you look at this this you know card you're looking at it like a menu you go okay you know, right off the bat, I'm going to get a six man scramble. You know, that's that's the taster. That's the start. I know where I'm heading after that. But in this situation, you know what you're talking about, basically, it would all bo- almost be like cooks and meals. You're saying, OK, you know what? 
this match right here coming up, this is a scramble. I want this cook making this and this cook making that because that's just what they're better at. And the next match, maybe a barbecue. And KG is just great talking about, you know, and making sure that barbecue tastes good. So I get that 100%. There, there really are in a weird situation right now where you have three really entertaining and great uh, commentators. And you have quite a few rolling throughs that are just an enjoyable time, too. I like the real play-by-play because I'm a fan of that. But at the same time, boy, do I love to have fun. And they are so much fun when you hear them just kicking back and having a good time. The real nice thing here, too, is that, you know, some people, when they're smoking or enjoying themselves, they can get sloppy. And these guys don't necessarily get sloppy. They're still entertaining and enjoyable, if not more. So the last thing I wanted to mention, because I've had a hard time putting my my, my, my finger on this, There's a lot of people that ask about, they ask KG about his cadence, the way he talks. This even came up on the Patreon, you know, just, just recently. And again, if you get a chance, jump on that, uh, that GCW Patreon. It's really cool. There's a lot of stuff on there, but I listen to KG a lot now. And for me, knowing KG's background and how he is, I hear violent J from ICP. Yeah, I could definitely not going to lie. He likes it. If you go back and listen to it. You listen to Violent J and you hear how he enunciates and how he talks about silly things, but he makes them sound good. That's exactly what KG does on the mic. I I wish I could say more about it, but I just wanted to mention that real quick. Um, Juicy really, though, uh, towards the end of this match, he ended up tossing both uh, Ciclope and Miero into the door. Then Juicy took a lot of chair shots to the head. The last 30 to 45 seconds was really between Juicy and Extremo. And then, you know what, I'll just announce announce the winner. The winner ended up being Los Macizos, funny enough. Extremo had a surprise schoolboy on Juicy that just came out of nowhere. So, I mean, it was just a quick roll-up. Beautiful match, really. I mean, I was happy with it. It it was a very quick main event, though. But it was supposed to be, I think, because it was supposed to be hard-hitting. No one wants to see... I mean, everybody wants to see it. But Brock Lesnar can only beat the shit out of you for so long. This was a situation where our new hosses are beating the shit out of somebody. And they're just not going to last. And, you know, luckily, our our boys came through with the the win there. Yeah, going back to the storytelling, as I don't think I've ever seen like light tubes or barbed wire, any of that crazy deathmatch stuff uh, in the San Francisco when they've done the two couple shows in San Francisco. Mm. So mm. I was kind of wondering, like going up to that same exact spot when it was Ciclo- uh, I would say Ciclope Miedo kind of staring down Juicy and Jacob. Like I was kind of wondering, like, oh shit, like what are they going to do to beat these guys? Because. They right. can't get the death matched up, so it seems like a lot of their big repertoire was taken away from them. But this is what I love about the Los Macizo since they've been back, where I'm glad they right away hopped into like their first match back, death match. That's their bread and butter. I love seeing that, but I've also loved seeing their versatility as a tag team going against um uh, well, it hasn't happened yet, but that's coming up. But like going against SGC and like a more not death match, but extreme style match, they show mm-hmm. off their hey, we don't need all this other crazy stuff. Yeah, we might add a door here and there, but doing a pretty normal match going against a Jordan and Nick Wayne. And like, I love just seeing them adapt to their opponents and the situation. And they've done an excellent job since they've been back. And, um, as you said, it was kind of cool. Like, I was wondering, like, without weapons, how are they going to beat up? or beat juicy and jacob and so they use their 
uh, experience and talents to kind of surprise Juicy, who's a pretty new to the wrestling business. As far as I I know, I think he's pretty new, but um, just, yeah, he is. Yeah, sneaking up behind him and hey, let's get the quick roll up. One, two, three, boom. That's all we need to do to beat you. But I just love seeing the different ways they've kind of shown um, to beat their opponents and the their adaptability to the situations. I just love seeing that. Yeah, I think Los Macizos may be the tag team or maybe the performers we're speaking of when we're saying that we need more wrestling in death matches. I believe they are wrestling death matchers, but they're so heavy on wrestling. They don't have to be death match wrestlers for that uh, for that match. Um, but it's it's really cool that they're capable of both. And it's a hell of a lot harder to be a wrestler than it is to swing fucking tubes. Yeah, that's where I like Alex Cologne, where he's like, he yeah. is a wrestler, but he has incorporated the deathmatch style into his style of wrestling. Same thing when I go back to Segura. I was talking about Segura during Tournament Survival. I was super excited to see him because I seen a little bit of him in, um, I think it was Freedoms or Big Japan. But I've seen him, like, he doesn't need the tubes, the dusted nope. plates. He doesn't need all that. Nope. But that's why I love seeing not just deathmatch wrestlers doing deathmatch stuff. I like seeing actual wrestlers really incorporating the deathmatch style into their own style. And that's where it makes for me, for my death, when I watch deathmatches, that's what I love to see is act, people that are really not knowing how they do their stuff. I'm not saying all these other wrestlers don't know what to do. Like every wrestler knows how to wrestle. That's what you originally start off as. But I like seeing mm -hmm. them come out and incorporate that style into these matches and Los Macisos like Segura, like Cologne, like John Wayne Murdoch can do that and do it where it's not even that noticeable to fans. We just think it's, Oh, it's creative. He did this. Like, no, he's always done that move. Now he just did it with a, uh, a barbed wire table or barbed wire door or light tubes. I just love seeing that or incorporation of the death match into wrestling instead of the wrestling into the deathmatch kind of stuff. But kind of calling back to the Jacob, uh, the South Pacific Savages and Los Pacisa match, yeah, it was kind of shorter than normal for a, uh -huh. uh, a main event. But there was a reason for that. And that reason was because Janela and Starboy Charlie come out at the end of the match and they confront what happened earlier in the night in the South Pacific Savages. And this is where we kind of see Jacob, Fatu, and Juicy after that hard match with Los Macisos kind of fall back and play that heelish role of spoilers. Like, yeah, we all know you want us to go back and uh, fight Starboy and Joey, but no, we're going to do it on our time. We're going to announce the match. It's we're the ones in charge. And that's where they, uh, they didn't announce it that night, but um, I, maybe they did. I think maybe they did announce it that night where Joey, I think I remember Joey getting on the mic. Maybe I'm making stuff up, but they did announce uh, shortly after <laughs> or that night. At some reason, Joey on the mic calling them out in LA is sticking out to me. I don't know why, but it has been announced at the September show in LA, we will once, uh, well, not once again, but we will see the culmination maybe of the suit. Maybe it's just the start of it. Who knows? But we will see Joey Janela and Starboy Charlie going against the South Pacific Savages at the Ukrainian Cultural Center at the next GCW show in LA in September. And like I said, it's just kind of cool seeing them continue off where they left with Starboy and, um, 
continue in that feud with the South South Pacific Savages, as well as this victory kind of led uh, Los Macisos into a rematch of sorts at uh, the next show that we're going to cover GCW versus the people where they were in the tag team title match going against team Bussy and SGC, which we will cover next time on our next podcast on uh, GCW versus the people. But going back to back to the Bay, uh, I have a couple of memorable moments, but I'll let you kind of go first, John, since I know I've been talking a lot and kind of hogging everything. I want to hear what your memorable <laughs> moments were. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things I had a chance to look up here was that over the last 15 matches, Joey Janela has averaged over 21 minutes per match. So I wanted to let anyone know out there, um, I, I believe I did have a rundown last time of who he did go against. Again, just imagine the fact that he's looking at 21 minutes a match, and I'll repeat myself, if someone told me I'd be watching a Joey Janela match of 21 minutes two years ago, I would not be looking forward to it. Now, I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to the story that he's going to have within the match. I'm looking forward to the couple spots that he had planned that's going to make me chuckle. And I'm looking forward to uh, just how he can integrate and work with these people. So I really thought that was cool. Uh, I like the big GCW and the accompanying blue side banners. I'll mention again because it was fucking awesome. I think if there's ever a replay on YouTube, guess what's going to be in the background of that replay? Big old letters GCW. I love that. I really like the venue in the place. The skylights gave it more of a warehouse feel. I know we talked about that a little earlier, but the venue I had to mention again just because it was one of those places where I will be looking forward to them going there again. And uh, I'm hoping that happens again. Yeah. So my uh, some of my memorable moments was um, Starboy Charlie. Kind of like I said, me, I, in my opinion, him and Kevin Blackwood could have kind of you could say the same thing about him. But seeing Starboy Charlie, even in two defeats, come out mm -hmm. uh, way better position than what he started that weekend from. So I love seeing the progression of Starboy. Seeing. The push that he's getting, seeing the continuation of him versus South Pacific Savages. Um, that was very, like you said, I like I like the blue thing. I thought that was a cool thing. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of hoping maybe they can kind of continue that. Where if whatever city they go to, I know it costs money getting the different canvases and mats made. But I love seeing the LA uh, Lakers colors the night prior. And I love seeing that, like you said, that bright blue stick out during this night. Um, yeah. Another big thing for me was seeing... Jordan picking up another victory against Titus. And I just, Titus is something to watch out for. Like, I know we talk about Nick Wayne, but I believe if we have to talk about who legit has the next step, it should be Titus instead of Nick Wayne at the moment that could all change in the future as Nick Wayne continues to improve. But I just love seeing Titus get that showcase match against Jordan and against Alex Zane. And those were two perfect matchups that kind of gave uh, Titus showed the fans what titus is capable of in the ring but i also mm -hmm. loved how like yeah i'm awesome in the ring but that does not mean you guys need to cheer for me i still hate you guys i still don't need you guys fuck you i could do it without you i love seeing titus stick to those guns as well and um going to kind of kind of memorable moment of the weekend the commentary team everybody involved <laughs> you definitely made it more way more enjoyable uh watching it on tv so those are kind of my memorable moments not just of this show but of the weekend i thought it was kind of hard to follow up as i said like that 
that LA show was nuts. It had all those makings of being one of the best shows I've ever seen. It still was up there for me. It still kind of held its own. And then they followed it up with this back to the Bay where they kind of got to show off some more new talent, but also gave the wrestlers and the crowd some kind of excitement and hope for what's to come in future GCW shows. Yeah, you know, for me, it was really the Gringo Commander match. That whole match was great. And then the Speedball Cartwheel match was absolutely fantastic. Those two, for me, really set it off that I wanted to make sure uh, that, again, I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that if there was another five or ten minutes on each one of those matches, I would not have complained at all. Uh, I also wanted to mention that the Oliver and Titus match, the combined ring age between the two of them was 44 years. That's scary. That's, uh, that's not, a, yeah, that's, that's not a long time. in a good way because, like you said, we've, like I've said many times already this episode, but like we always talk about a new wrestler that's under the age of 25. And PCW mm-hmm. just seems to be riddled of them. And that, just watching these shows, not just for GCW, but it makes me excited for wrestling's future and whatever company they go to a lot of these stars i will go out of my way to watch speedball and impact i will go out of my way to watch gringo loco represent wrestling revolver at rick flair's last match which we'll talk about next mm-hmm. time i just love seeing all these talented wrestlers young, a lot of them are young i know i said gringo loco he's not as young but he is on a role that he's ever been on right now i just love seeing these talent and GCW in general, like once again, we'll talk about next episode, get the love and respect from other companies to showcase the GCW talent on their shows. I love seeing that. Well, the other thing I learned tonight was that Bussy is gluten-free. Uh, I also learned that Canadians absorb high amounts of headbutt damage. I don't know if you remember Emil you know, talking about that a little. Also, it was really fun for KG to explain the physics behind an avalanche of sand. I uh, I also didn't know there was an avalanche of uh, sand even possible out there on Earth. Uh, Tony using his opponent's hands to act like they're jerking him off. I actually like that as a regular move now. I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's just the, you know, the teenager in me fucking loves that. Joey emerging from Brian Last's mom's basement, I thought was perfectly juvenile, and I think it worked really well since Brian and uh, since Brian Corny and Janella kind of have this thing going on right now. I liked um, the replay moving in double speed and KG singing the Benny Hill theme song. The uh, Benny Hill show was what I watched back when I was a kid on Saturday nights right after Benny Hill was NWA wrestling. So I kind of wanted to let you know some of my earlier moments happened to also have fucking Benny Hill in it. Um, Both Oliver and Wayne using the cloud cutters as their finishers. I liked how they advanced the story there of the cohesion between the two of them, almost showing that they're on the same page there, you know, using using the same finisher. I thought that was really good. It was very welcome that the main event was a tag team street match. It was really nice to see that since the show was lacking a little more of that hardcore side. So it was cool to have that in there. Uh, the Savages being booked as Scary Heels. We talked extensively about that, but I honestly think that's a memorable moment because that was the pop off moment where we have a more complete roster honestly or more complete group of individuals available to us but uh also the last thing i want to mention is if if there is a storyline in gcw i would love to see titus come over there and uh kind of mix it up a little bit with our roster 
Yeah, and I want to see more Jacob, not just in the West Coast. So it seems it seems to me we always see him in L.A. He's not one of mm-hmm. those quote unquote as we've been kind of calling some of these wrestlers GCW regulars, but mm-hmm. I know, and he's kind of not kind of he's very talented and he's got big time contracts and other promotions. So I know that becomes kind of hard to do, but I just love seeing Jacob Patu in the ring as much as I love, as much as I'm scared of him when I'm actually there. I love yeah. seeing it. Cause like I said, like I don't think I've ever been in a venue and kind of like afraid of what's going to happen to us fans that are sitting close to the ring. Once action breaks down and spills out into the crowd, then I do with Jacob because He's so oh. unpredictable. I even went to like a local FSW show where it was Jacob Fatu versus uh, Killer Cross. And I was like, oh, nice. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to feel about taking my son to this one, even though like this one normally has guardrails. So we're separated from the talent. There is that common safety space. But I was mm-hmm. still even going into that. I'm like, I don't trust Jacob, but I don't know what he's going to do. But I think that just adds as a fan in person so much more exciting, makes it more exciting as a fan to enjoy those shows as well as being more scary as well. It was just really fun overall. I really like this show. Um, I'm hoping they stick with the venue. And it seemed like no lie. It seemed like it was a typical California crowd. I'm not I'm not going to say it any other way, but the seats weren't exactly filled when the show started. And then they start to fill slowly to where you end up having all the seats filled by the end, by the end of the night. I say that to people who don't understand because you can go to baseball game, basketball, football, any type of events where people gather. And you're going to see that with a California crowd, they slowly creep in towards the middle of the event. And then the seats fill. like if it's baseball and there's nine innings, you're going to see it really fill up towards the fifth, sixth, maybe you know, that's when they're going to show up. And then also with the California crowd, you're going to have people that will actually leave a game early if their team is losing too much or winning too much. So it's a very interesting thing. And I think you'll see that overall. But I wanted to just say definitely a California crowd at that San Fran. So uh, no one was sitting there for three hours or not many were sitting there for three hours uh, stagnant unless they were so you know screwed up <laughs> that that's all they could do. Um but yeah, that's all I really have to say. I think it was a really satisfying show overall. It was nice to get those hosses and heels in the door. And um, here comes Starman. So who knows? Yeah, yeah Starman, uh, I think, has a lot of say still when it comes to uh, writing his chapter in his book right there. But I do believe this was a nice show. And I think after seeing what we saw at GCW versus the People, which we'll, we will be covering uh some point this week probably tomorrow we'll see but we will absolutely do that this week and we i thousand percent promise we will be all caught up for homecoming and whenever we do our live show to make up for it i will go and buy one of those one chip challenge tips i will do it before oh really maybe at the end of the show i won't do it during starting show because that's gonna be a oh no 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 no. i'll do it at the end of the show our first live youtube show whenever we do it which will be shortly here soon um as well i will absolutely do one of those i will go buy one of those one chip uh things i will do it at the end of the podcast there maybe i'll even uh save it for like a social media only or something like that but wait wait wait. so you're good with that you can do that stuff huh i've never done Oh, any of those things. and I, 
I think, I, like, yeah. so my wife one time bought me, actually a couple, about, almost about a year ago, I did uh, the, the bean boozled, but it was all the hot stuff. And it wasn't necessarily that it was hot, it just tasted awful, which I made my, made my eyes water and get almost get sick. But just because uh-huh. the taste of it, it wasn't because of the hotness. So that kind of gave me more, like, oh, I could do this, but now you're saying that. I'm like, yeah, I'm scared, but I, oh, shit. Promised, no, 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 no. I promised we would be up to date by gcw versus the people i have failed and do so so to honor <laughs> my word i will do something that makes me suffer for me lying and not living up to my word because like i said once we catch up i we are going to be consistent we're going to be on their schedule um i've done a lot of makeup because i did the start of the show on my own you hopped in we've had i went out of town yeah. to the backyard We've had stuff going on, so we're playing catch-up, but luckily, GCW doesn't go every single week, even though sometimes it feels like they do, and most times they do. They <laughs> gave us this little uh, week-long break here in between GCW versus the people and their homecoming show, so we are now all caught up. We just have to do GCW versus the people before next Friday, which is home, or no, next Saturday, which is homecoming. We will be all caught up before homecoming, and then shortly after homecoming is over, we will re cover both shows of homecoming and we will stay on schedule and be right up to date with the gcw uh schedule that they have but like uh just going back to like i think this was a perfect card to set up what happened at gcw versus the people and i have never been as excited as i ever since i started this podcast to talk about a show as much as i did gcw versus the people because as I was kind of hinting and alluding to this show, I think GCW versus the people might be the start of a not like mm-hmm. I said, not a restart, not a reset, but a refresh where maybe new talent will get better opportunities while some of the older talent that have been carrying GCW for the longest time maybe get to take that well-earned vacation as we kind of know couple wrestlers might be doing and juicy and alex cologne said he's alluded to he might be taking a break here soon yeah Yeah. nick gage not wrestling near as often as what he was up for the last year up until homecoming i think this would be a perfect time for them to kind of hey we're not going to rest on our laurels we did hammerstein we're not going to rest on that we are going to keep on changing the game and that's why we are called game changer wrestling and i think gcw versus the people had so much to talk about like that podcast it might be a three four hour one because i have a lot to say on that show almost everything positive like i think maybe there's one thing i didn't agree with but i just might not know where they're going to go with that story or with that wrestler or that angle i but i think for the most part that show is going to lead up to hopefully something big because homecoming is next weekend and our end. Um, and that is, in my opinion, their WrestleMania, even though we, we got the collective and that's kind of more of a showcase and to give all these wrestlers work during that weekend. While yeah. those are like the fun shows, I think GCW as a standalone event, homecoming is their number one show of the year. As we saw last year with the Matt Cardona versus Nick Gage, as that got a lot of, new gcw fans based off that one match alone so i think they got a lot of expectations to fill during uh homecoming i 
was kind of getting a little worried that they were getting complacent while still putting on awesome shows. I just didn't see where they were going to go or something new, which was kind of disappointing me. But after seeing GCW versus the people, I am very excited to see where GCW goes in their immediate future, as well as their long-term future as well. I really can't say much more about it. I'm actually looking forward to this next one. You're right. I think it's going to be probably, well, shit, three. Yeah, it's going to, it's going to be at least a three hour because we're going to have a lot to talk about. I, uh, I just want to warn everybody who's going to listen. I hope you really have some lawn mowing to do, or I really have, I hope you have a long uh, work week ahead of you. Well, I don't hope you got that, but I hope you have a time to listen because we are going to go over this and same thing. Hit us up on Twitter when you get a chance too, because if you want us to add anything or talk about anything, we really do like doing that. So if something comes up, yeah, just please let us know. And keep spreading the word because like I said, yeah. last podcast, I think, uh, Based off your tweets and when I tweet out the podcast, I've had a couple people because of you who has a lot more followers than I do have you too has opened the door for these new fans. I had no idea that there's this GCW content out there. Like I said, it doesn't have to be ours. Like, please enjoy ours and spread our word. But if you enjoy any other GCW podcast or other ways to get a hold of GCW content, like that's why I started this podcast to get more fans in and expose GCW to, or yeah, expose GCW to um, fans that not, might not be aware of what GCW is. Might be wrestling fans looking who've gotten tired of seeing the same old shit on their products, who are looking for something new and progressive. And I, mm-hmm. that's where we, that's why we love GCW is for that stuff. And I just want to get more people on the GCW wagon. It doesn't have to be on our end. If it is, awesome with our podcast if it's through someone else's podcast just keep promoting gcw keep gcw in your yes. mouth promoting it to your friends that like i said i have a couple, lot of friends who used to watch wrestling back in the day who have not really gotten into mainstream wrestling nowadays but i took them to mm-hmm. their first gcw show and i've shown them like pics and videos of the shows i went to and they they're like oh that's cool that's cool let me go to the show they came to vegas i took him to his first show boom he wants to go to the next one so we want yeah. to expose GCW to the more casual fans and help GCW grow because the more they grow, the better talent they get, the more motivated they are to keep on changing the game and making it very fun for us fans to attend in person or to watch on Fight TV. It just mm-hmm. keeps on going. Like I said, if we are a small piece of it that helps with our podcast that exposes that to you or to other fans of that you could be friends of, Please do so, but it doesn't necessarily need to be love our way to spread the GCW love any way you can. Yeah, on on my side, I actually have two family members that they had never uh, been to a GCW show. They came over to my house and they saw two in the last year. They saw two. But I told them, hey, you know, GCW is coming to town. They're like, oh, oh, those guys that do all the crazy shit. I'm like, yeah, those guys that do all the crazy shit. So I went ahead, took them to the show. That was the show that was the collective here in Las Vegas. And now they are fans. I mean, big fans like the one kid. He's he's wearing his hat around, you know, all the time. He's got his GCW hat. And the other one, you know, the minute he came home, he's like trying to practice wrestling moves. You know, it's like kids. They're having a real good time. And um. I want to kind of say on the side of just support, that's kind of why I do this too, is that I want to make sure all of the wrestlers also get a lot of support. I do. 
I don't talk about it much, but I do want to kind of just hit on it, that the industry has a lot of people in it that sometimes aren't always hitting the goals that they want to hit. Or sometimes I do see a lot of depression sometimes within the industry. And I do want to know that every kind word really does matter. And I do want you to know that it's it would be great to always make sure you say thank you if you can to these folks. And uh, it's maybe something we've touched on, but I don't want to touch too much on it anymore. But saying you fucked up really fucking sucks to somebody who's out there doing what they do, especially if it's someone you like. But even if it isn't someone you like, put yourself in their shoes. You worked your ass off for, let's just say, 12 years. And all of a sudden, your hand kind of slips off a rope in, in front of 600 people. How are you going to feel? You know what? I'm going to tell you how you may feel because I've performed, not as a wrestler, but I've performed. When you go to bed at night, you're not going to think of the 599 things you did properly. You're going to think of that one thing you did wrong. And also, you're going to be reminded of all the assholes that chanted that you fucked up when you did it. So I just wanted to say, if you can, be nice, be thankful, say hello, do what you can to kick a kind word every now and then. It really does matter. Quite a few of them do see it. And 100 percent, each and every one of them are thankful. I can guarantee that 100 percent. Yeah. And they are even if you like them or you don't, they're out there legit risking their lives, even on the simplest of moves. They're risking their lives. They are taking all that time away from their family to go pursue something that they love, that we love as fans because we're going to the shows and they're out there risking their life for you. It doesn't matter if you like them or not. They're out there for your entertainment. You paid for that. Show them that respect. You could boo him. You could boo them. You could boo whoever you want. You could not like them. It does not matter. They're out there risking your life. And that's why even I've kind of not been fans of a couple wrestlers. Maybe I said on the podcast, maybe not. It just maybe, hey, they haven't shown me what maybe I would like. And then they show it to me and boom, I'm a new fan of theirs because they have now showed me, oh, that's something I look for in wrestlers. Or there's wrestlers out there that do not want to be cheered on and stuff, but they're ultimately out there because they want to perform for us and give us entertainment and give them love. They might not, you might not have your favorite wrestler. You could shout them out on Twitter a hundred times a day, every day of the week. They might not respond to you, but as you said, they see it, the good, mm -hmm. the bad, the mm -hmm. ugly. They appreciate the good while they might not go out and show you that appreciation on public uh, social media. But I guarantee you, you catch them, you say one nice word, hey, like that match ninja that you had on that ladder at war games. And when you jumped off and did that crazy uh, sunset flip off the top of the ladder, you say that's one of those wrestlers, their eyes light up because they realize you recognize that they are risking their lives for you and you are showing them that appreciation. That little thank you is mm -hmm. incredible to them. And I just think that as wrestling fans, as you said, we need to start being more positive um, for them uh, and stay away from the negativity as it's accidents that happen. Yes. Are some wrestlers yeah. complete assholes and they're not good people? Yes. That is totally different than someone messing up in the ring, not doing the style you like, or not doing a crazy move as perfect as you think it should have been done. They're out there. They're doing it. We're not. So let's show them appreciation. Give them the love that we would want if we were in their shoes. And if you don't like it, you don't need to blast it on social media. You don't need to blast it to them in face. Just, hey, I don't like Del Taco. Don't go to Del Taco. That easy, 
that simple. No one's feelings gets hurt. Everyone moves on with their lives and life goes on. There's more important yeah. things in this messed up world right now to worry about a wrestler messing up one spot at a 20 minute match. And then you make someone feel like shit for, like you said, a hand slipping off of someone's hand because they're so sweaty because they've done 500 spots right now to a perfection. But now because of we're being slippery, we slip up on one spot. Yeah, just I think uh, just make sure you bring a lot of positivity to it because every one of these moves are uh, are are pieces of these wrestlers that they're sharing with us. So I just wanted to make sure to, you know, stay on the positivity train with that and make sure that if there's something you don't like, it's perfectly fine. I actually have a couple wrestlers that I'm not uh, that I'm not fond of. I, I understand how to separate that and I hope other people do. But, you know, there's one or two people that they don't. They don't connect with me, but I can still tell you a hundred percent. They're awesome. I mean, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I give specific amounts of people their respect when they a hundred percent deserve it. I will mention one or two from back in the day, just for fun. Dean Malenko, absolutely amazing. I think he's wonderful. I respect what he does. I think he des deserves to be hall of fame material. Just didn't connect with his character. You know what? So what? And I heard the son of a bitch is really nice. Yeah. You know what? I can't really say anything bad about it, and I'm not going to internalize his storyline like it's real life and go blast off on somebody because, you know, they, they wear pink tights on Sundays and tell them that, you know, their, their shit is terrible and they suck when really they don't suck. They're probably nice as hell, and they're out there trying to just expose themselves, uh, you know, for others, uh, expose themselves positively yeah, yeah. with others. Not so, totally so I mean, expose themselves. <laughs> No, 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 no. So the only thing I, I wanted to also mention, because I think I only mentioned this maybe the first time that I was on, was that part of the part of the thing that I wanted to kind of bridge in with this is the fact that I will be announcing probably in the next show when we're all caught up about upcoming shows so that people who really do want to support these performers can do that. I know there may not be a show for, for two weeks for GCW, but I can guarantee you that if you wanted to see Effie, there's going to be at least seven to nine dates. Same thing with several of these other performers. So this is where I want to try to also kind of give back to the performers the fact that maybe I can give you a couple shows uh, that you'd be able to maybe watch in the off time. So I do want to add that to the segments here at some point so that everybody has a way to uh, try to try to do more for the industry and try to do more for the performers. Yeah, like like how you said, like just because you don't feel that attachment or engagement with that wrestler doesn't mean that it's someone else's favorite wrestler in the world doesn't make that person any less of a fan than you are for not liking them. Like we cannot like the same thing, but we all want wrestling to improve. We all want wrestling to grow. The better mm -hmm. wrestling is all over the place is the best wrestling for everybody and everybody will profit and uh, gain and get enjoyment out of it. But as you said, uh, with the catching up on these wrestlers and maybe other promotions, that where we are the GCW plant podcast, we will cover all the GCW shows, but that yeah. does not mean we have to stick to GCW. Like you said, we can see Effie defending. Well, uh, well, well, you we know, see, what I, yes, we can see those wrestlers I'm, in other promotions and still show those wrestlers yes. love and support and maybe gain a new fan in of a new wrestler and that promotion that you might have never heard of. It just exposes everyone to more wrestling, possibly better wrestling in their opinion, but it helps everybody grow. Well, 
right now I'm a GCW fan because of AEW and I'm an AEW fan because WWE dropped the ball. So WWE dropped the ball about four years ago. I just couldn't watch raw anymore. I've been watching raw since raw raw came down the pipeline in 93, I think 93, 94. Yeah. And, um, because of that, here comes AEW. Before they were AEW, they had their great pay-per-view that was pretty much put on by Ring of Honor. I thought that was an excellent yep. show. And then from there, I'm, I'm sitting there with my wife and I'm telling them, I go, these guys have incredible potential. If these guys have a proper amount of money behind them, they're going to have incredible potential. And then boom, AEW blew up. Yep. Yeah. And then one time I heard that John Moxley was going to be over on this company called GCW. And he was going to be performing at the, uh, the homecoming at homecoming last year. And I went, well, shit, you know what? I might want to check this out. This would be kind of cool. And that show blew my fucking mind. And that's how GCW happened. Now, following down from there, GCW has turned into AIW uh, wrestling open. Uh, shit. There's so many. I'm probably I, I can have on rotation now. I mean, if you give me a month, I've probably watched 12 different companies one, two, maybe even three shows per company sometimes. So I, I just wanted to kick it out there because I'm really, I mean, if you enjoy Effie, go watch fucking Effie, like support him where he goes. If you like Allie, go support Allie wherever the fuck she goes and make sure that these folks that you really support are fully getting supported. And I think, That's when, all. and I think once we kind of go over what happened at GCW versus the people, what kind of, that kind of uh, gave us a prelude of what happened at the Ric Flair's last match, as a lot of people probably already know, but I don't want to spoil it just in case people are listening who have not yet watched the show or probably won't watch the show. Um, mm -hmm. I think what happened that weekend, just that event in whole, seeing all the companies work together and with other changes happen happening in other companies, I think as much as I've been saying like the last year, like, oh my God, I've never been more of a fan of wrestling in my life, even as a little kid, as much as I yeah. am now. And I think what happened this last weekend will only was the precursor of what we're about to see. And we're going to see those effects leading into homecoming for GCW. We could see that possibly leading into AEW, which we will talk about next episode as well, a little bit because of certain events that happen at GCW versus people. I just think that show, and that's why I said that show is going to be a long ass episode. I think even though this one now, this segment has gone an hour and we're at three hours now. I just think that's there's okay. so that's much okay. to talk about for GCW and the world and the Ric Flair's last match that weekend. We're not going to cover the whole event. We're just going to cover uh gcw related events that happened during that event which uh if you do not know maybe stick around and we will talk about it on the podcast and you can hear about it first and then go check it out if you want but i think what's about to happen in the wrestling world with other companies improving and changes happening i think it's just going to be so much better for every single wrestler promotion and fan involved and i'm just super excited to be able to cover it and talk to you about it john um on this podcast and i just hope other fans maybe see there is a light if you have not been a fan now's the time to get back in now's the time to get back your friends who might have stopped oh, watching yeah. and get back in i think now's the time in any sort of wrestling promotion right now is the time to do so and i cannot wait to talk about that with you on our next podcast um, once again, as you said, you hit us up on social media. Once again, positive, negative feedback, what you want to see more of, what we need to kind of work on. We're always looking to improve. Uh, you can find Mr. John at John J. Wolf. You can find me now on Twitter at GCW Plant Podcast. I will be 
hopefully 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 here soon kind of going over some changes with that as well but that's where you can find me is probably the easiest is gcw plant podcast on twitter uh same on youtube type in gcw plant podcast i know we're behind i promise i got that one all set up i think i will probably be posted at least the last or the next three episodes where i left off on i found a kind of a fix that will help out that and we are improving hopefully and hopefully just keep, yeah, <laughs> just keep spreading the word because like i said it's yeah. the train ride right now is about to get fun and we are going to cover all that madness and fun on our next podcast which i thousand percent guarantee will be put out before homecoming next week and then oh it's coming it's coming we're doing this brother yes and then once homecoming happens we'll do a uh, review shortly after that and you will see us uh shortly after these gcw shows more often uh if some of you i know a couple people hopped in the twitter space i did a little twitter space before gcw versus the people that was pretty fun it didn't last long but i did get a couple viewers in that were previous listeners to the podcast or at least heard about the podcast and saw me go live on twitter space during the show so that was always fun i plan on doing much more of that in the near future with all these events me too man me too we I'll got, show up this time too, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got we got plans going. Like I said, it might be not as fast as I would hope, or maybe some of you fans would hope, but the improvements are coming. They will be out here soon. And like I said, we're just just like GCW. We're gonna keep on going and going and fucking going and hopefully improving, building. improving, building, and keep on improving and building uh, all the time. <laughs> uh, any last words you want to say before we sign them off, John? No, lots of love, man. Just keep supporting indie wrestling and thank you for listening. I love it. Yes. And yes, once Much again, love. thank you for listening. As of right now, when we started this show, we were at 199 viewers. So hopefully, once I post this, we'll be over 200. <laughs> and that hopefully. will show you we're getting better as it took us about a month to get the first 100 views. Uh, oh. It took us two weeks to get the next 100. So that is improvement. We are getting better. Hopefully, it's, uh, everyone's enjoying the show. Please spread the word out not just our podcast but just spread gcw's word out like i said i don't need all the or i don't want to say me we don't need all the glory and all the views and all the listens like just spread gcw no, no, no. that's all i'm here for i don't need the i don't have an ego where i want to no, i am the gcw plant voice no i called it gcw nope. plant for a reason because we're all gcw plants and if you kind of know what the whole plants is they were calling that for the gcw fans and i just want to give the fans voice i want to make it so that way we have lots of plants and the plants have a lot of voices and i just hope that we're one of the small voices that could kind of help gcw improve and keep on going and going and fucking going yeah and you know what i mean if you're looking at two weeks between a, a pay-per-view it's really nice to have something to listen to between pay-per-views man yes and so like i said we will be back on our next episode catching gcw versus the people that will be out here real soon right after i post this one probably it might get back-to-back -back episodes uh long ass episodes so thank you all again all the gcw plants out there for listening for supporting the show supporting gcw supporting indie wrestling as you said john on behalf mm -hmm. of john wolf john j wolf i apologize uh, on behalf of myself, <laughs> I just want to say thank you and long live, live GCW. G -C -W. W. <laughs>